This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter with a special episode of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, as well as finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, and also find our local live event, Shocktober in Irvington, at shocktoberinirvington.com. We host that every year in October. Uh, this is a special episode. It's part two of our continued coverage of Heartland 2018. Um, Heartland Film Festival is a wonderful film festival that occurs every year here in Indian, here in Indianapolis, spread over several theaters. Uh, they have hundreds of filmmakers, uh, and then they have over, uh, hundreds of films, um, uh, each year, it's it's a really incredible uh, time, and it's a great opportunity for us at the Obsessive Viewer to you know meet uh, filmmakers and and uh, chat with them and and actually get to interact with the people who create the art that we're obsessive over. It's it's really remarkable. Um, as a quick anecdote, actually, um, a couple years ago when I covered Heartland, there was a film called Waffle Street from. Uh, Ian and Esham Nel- uh, Ian and Esham Nelms, and uh, I interviewed them really briefly for like five minutes after their film, and like they were the most straightforward, down to earth guys. The they were so they were so uh, cool, and they really left an impression. And it was kind of cool because um, about a month or so ago, I was browsing uh, uh, Netflix, and I was like, oh. The- this film looks pretty good. It's called Small Town Crime, and it was their next film. And it has Octavia Spencer, Anthony Anderson, and uh, uh, John Hawks in it, as well as Clifton Collins Jr. It's a really great, uh, really great kind of crime caper, um, and it's it's really fun, and it's just remarkable to see them, you know, be uh, achieve so much. And they were also guests on the uh, Malton on Movies podcast, uh, which it was just a treat to get to hear them talk about their their film and everything. Um, so anyway, so so yeah, there are tons of films at Heartland this year, and I am really working hard to get these episodes posted as soon as I can so that you guys can go see the films um, this week at Heartland. Uh, Heartland is being held at Castleton, uh, the AMC theater in Castleton, as well as the AMC theater at Traders Point, And then also at Newfields, which, uh, Indianapolis Museum of Art, um, they're hosting screenings there too. You can find guidebooks at any of those locations and they have all the information you need. And as part of our coverage, we have been doing press junkets, with Heartland. So, uh, I did two press junkets this weekend and like I'm recording this Sunday night at about n- eh, nine. Oh crap. It's nine thirty. Um, nine thirty, And, uh, it feels like it's like one thirty to me because I'm exhausted from the long weekend with Shocktober and Irvington and with, with Heartland and everything. I've just been, just been running around all weekend. So, um, Basically, this episode is part two of the Heartland coverage. It's going to be day two of the press junket that I did. Uh, these are the recordings that I did today. And then you'll also hear a uh, at the end of the recordings, 
you'll hear a review of the documentary Crime and Punishment, which is playing at Heartland and is also available on Hulu as well. Um, that review is by me and Kirsten, who we went to, uh, she and I went to the film festival on Saturday and saw a couple of movies. And uh, yeah, so go ahead and uh, enjoy these these filmmaker uh, in, uh, interviews and then stay tuned for my and Kirsten's review of um, Crime and Punishment. Um, also, really quick, just want to say thank you so much to Heartland. Thank you to all the filmmakers that I spoke to this weekend, and I can't wait to do more Heartland stuff um, after work every day this week. <laughs> but next weekend is going to be another big one for, for us to to do Heartland stuff. Um, also, thank you to Tony for loaning me his one of his recorders uh, so I could do mobile recordings um, a lot better than what I, keep, what I have in the past. So thank you so much, Tony, uh, from geekinginindiana.com. And yeah, let's go ahead and go into the interviews for uh, Heartland 2018, and then stay tuned for the uh, review of Crime and Punishment. All right, and uh, I'm here with Vanessa and what was your name again? I'm Nathan sorry. Weatherington, Nathan. yeah. Uh, from uh, the film A Thousand Miles Behind. Um, why don't you guys go ahead and tell us about the film and uh, about uh, your experience with, with Heartland and, and uh, bringing, the, bringing the film here. All right, well, we're just getting adjusted to the Heartland. Uh, right, in, We just drove into town the other day, uh, getting adjusted to the schedule, getting our bearings. We had our first world premiere screening here on Friday evening. That went fantastic, and we're thrilled to be here. Hi. <laughs> and that's Vanessa. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about the film itself? Like, uh, do you have just... Yeah, the film is uh, it's kind of, it's a it's a movie about grief. Uh, it's a movie about a, a a guy who loses his family suddenly. Uh, he becomes kind of paralyzed and frozen, like flash frozen in this state of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of goes away, becomes a recluse, and then uh, ends up setting across California on a motorcycle by himself. Wow. Yeah. And the motorcycle is really a visual metaphor for that journey through grieving, mm-hmm. through that process. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. You, uh, how was the... How was the film uh, production-wise? Like, how, how did it how did it go and everything? And, uh, the film could not have gone any. The shooting of the film could it was miraculously amazing. Like, we made this movie with four people. Wow! Uh, it was we had a director, uh, our DP Keith Dunkerley, who was incredible, and then basically two of our best friends who were kind of like the key grip and the sound guy who also the our buddy who did the sound also is actually the composer mm-hmm. who scored the movie it's just a, a couple of buddies really who made the film and we had our actors uh and we all did everything mm-hmm. that's the kind of that's the kind of like indie film story that i i just i love that kind of thing <laughs> like yeah it's clearly like a labor of love between like a bunch of people just putting together a product or a, a, a story and dealing with such um serious subject matter and such such uh such emotion at its emotional core it's things like grief and stuff that's i mean that's remarkable and uh it's something that's really uh really inherently heartland film festival <laughs> like it's it yeah like it's at home here um, yeah, in a, in a in a great way. Um, so, how was the? You said that the that the uh, premiere was was really great. Like, yeah. How was the experience of that? 
Well, we drove in from L.A., and we had been driving two and a half straight days. Oh. And so when we got here, we had, like, an hour to get here for the premiere. And we were nervous <laughs> because we were yeah. like, you know, we hadn't really been around, checked anything else out, mm -hmm. new city, everything. We're like, well, we'll just be so happy if there's anyone there. Like, that's how we were. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so when we showed up, and there was a theater full of people, <laughs> and everyone was excited, and... Then we were like, okay, like we just hope everyone stays. To the it end, was a huge know? relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hadn't. We also we were sitting in the back, and it was our first time seeing it on a big screen. Oh yeah. wow! That's yeah. So awesome. it was this really surreal kind of experience. Yeah, I think there was a part of me that was like cringing, waiting for people to start walking out, and they <laughs> stayed, and they they continued to stay, and then they stayed for the Q and A, and they were really involved, and it was like really an awesome. Mm -hmm experience yeah the people nice. had really great yeah. questions That's they fantastic. were super intelligent talking about <laughs> films and the genre and the story and they had all these great questions that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it was really cool that's that's one of the great things about just film festivals in general and and here like i'm i'm fortunate to like have heartland in my backyard yeah um it's amazing because like because yeah. like i'll go to i'll go to films all the time obviously because I'm an obsessive viewer yeah. and like me and my co-host well, one of my co-hosts will go all the, like we go every weekend and then like we went to uh, a couple of films last night here at Heartland it's like it's just the the difference is so uh, present because you have like people that are sitting next to us like having conversations with us and talking to us about it it's just it's a really incredible experience and uh, and yeah so I'm, I'm glad you guys could could make it out here yeah um, yeah we're so happy to be here and we were really uh, I think I was I was really impressed with the the questions and the kind of astute observations our film kind of asks a lot of a viewer it's a very visual uh, there's several minutes where there's no dialogue there's oh, wow. it's a very the challenge was to, to tell a story visually which is what filmmaking is visual oh, storytelling so dealing with the subject matter for a first film it was a great challenge um and also but i think that it can it i guess could be potentially challenging for mm -hmm. an audience as well and to see that that wasn't the case um that they were with it every step of the way that it didn't ask too much of them. And then the questions that we got were so like kind of profound. Mm -hmm. it, it was really like, like almost magic. It was like, ma nice. it was really kind of magical to see. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, can, can you speak to also the, uh, the inspiration for the film? Like where, like where it originated from and then like how, you know, how you guys got to start with, with making it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it came out of, uh, me just, I just decided I was going to make a movie. Nice. Uh, I had never made a film or a short film or anything. I just, uh, I kind of needed, I had left a job mm -hmm. that was a salary position because I wasn't, I just needed change. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I've, most of my life had been an artist. So I was kind of sitting in this dead space of like, well, what do I do? You know, we're actors mostly in LA and we do the auditioning and stuff. And that wasn't really fulfilling in and of itself because you're just trying to work. Sure. Waiting for work. Uh, and this was like, I have to work on something. Mm -hmm. I have all this energy to put to something. So you know what? Let's just make a movie. Um, I had seen a while before a documentary on the uh, Sandy Hook school shootings. It was mm -hmm. more about the that day and then the aftermath on the families. Yeah. Uh, and it really had just haunted me. Mm -hmm. So that had been a seed that was planted. Um, coming full circle back to wanting to make a movie uh, I had talked to Jeffrey who's our Jeffrey Dornboss our lead actor in the movie 
and I was so like frothing to make something. Yeah. And I was like, look, man, let's just let's just make a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, I'll do it. He's like, I'm totally in. Uh, so then, you know, I just we both are motorcycle riders, like mm-hmm. kind of moto guys to a degree. And I was like, let's just do it on a motorcycle. And then I was like, wait a second. I've got this grief, this grieving father thing going on, and the motorcycle is the perfect mm-hmm. visual representation of grief because it's a, it's a solo trip. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a solo road. No one can really travel that particular road with you. So right. then there was the story, and we pounded out, this, I pounded out the script really quickly, and we just got to it. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and Vanessa, how did you come on board to the project? And you also, uh, did you say you also ed- helped with editing as well? Yes. So Nathan editing? and I edited okay. the movie. We did a bunch of passes mm-hmm. with it, and then we had somebody finish it. So uh, basically, like the more technical thing, aspects of editing that we didn't know how to do, mm-hmm. we had somebody help us with that in the okay. end. Uh, but that was also just started just out of necessity. You know, yeah. we were like, well, editors would cost as much as our whole budget. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we did it ourselves, you know, and I had been to film school Mm -hmm. um, in Los Angeles and was already really interested in writing and in editing. And I um, am an actress. And so Nathan had approached me with the idea of writing the character for me to play as he had written largely the character for Jeffrey to play. Mm hmm sort of playing to our strengths and, you know, uh, knowing us as actors. And so I jumped on board and he was like, it's going to be crazy. We're going to be shooting, (laughs) you know, 16 hour days. Like, you know, we camped for instead of, you know, hotels and we slept in tents. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Our DP had never slept in a tent. He had never slept outside. Oh, wow. Never camped. (laughs) And here he is shooting this movie in the craziest way with four, four people living living intense but it was so fun more people should make movies like that because we had so much fun oh i can i can only imagine that's amazing yeah Yeah. uh yeah so i think we're we're about out of time here but i just want to say congratulations on the film and on on being here at heartland and uh, best of luck going going forward and if you're listening to this this is going to go up tomorrow uh there are screenings at uh traders point on wednesday the 17th at 2 45 p.m and uh 2 30 on thursday Thursday, October 18th at Newfields, and that film is a thousand miles behind. And thank you guys so much for chatting thank with me. Thank you. Good luck with the podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, totally. Our pleasure. Thank you. I'm from the Obsessive Viewer podcast. We're a local podcast here in Indianapolis. Right. Yeah. All right. So it was Julie and Vicky, right? Okay. I'm really terrible with names. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm here with uh, Julie and Vicky uh, from Fiddlin, uh, Fiddlin, um, here at Heartland Film Festival. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves and telling us about the film? Hi, I'm Julie Simone, and I'm the co-writer with my sister Vicky Vlasic, and I'm the director on the film. And uh, we're from the Appalachian Mountains, and we went back home to our roots to shoot this old-time bluegrass music uh, documentary called Fiddlin. Nice, nice. And uh, can you tell me, like, what what was the inspiration for it, uh, as opposed to, or aside from you know coming going home and, and filming it? And- um, well, we, we had started noticing 
as we went back uh, for family reunions, we would go to this Fiddler's Convention in Galax, Virginia. It's the world's oldest and largest Fiddler's Convention. And when we were growing up and going there, you never saw kids playing music. Mm -hmm. And in the last 15 to 18 years, all of a sudden there's been this huge resurgence of young people that are now playing wow. the old the old traditional tunes and the elders in the community are passing it down to the younger generations okay. and so it's really wow. keeping this music alive mm-hmm. and it's it does something within the community that just brings people together mm-hmm. and is shows such important values that I think are missing from a lot of people's worlds today oh yeah Nice. And so that was an inspiration for us to, to go back and to really share, you know, the place that we love mm. and to show it in a light that is not normally presented in today's media about the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like that whole area, I mean, it's gorgeous. And it's it's it seems like there's there it's not it's kind of underrepresented in terms of just media and everything. And it's it's great to have like films and, and documentaries come out about that region and something as 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 niche as like that type of music experience and everything so that's that's really remarkable um have you guys been to any other festivals or is heartland your first one or can you speak to the festival circuit and in your experience with heartland as well well we're having an incredible time here at heartland i nice. would say this is one of our favorite festivals so far i mean nice. the town is beautiful or the mm-hmm. city the people are nice and uh we're really excited to be here and feel very honored that uh, we were able to bring Fiddlin' here to Indianapolis. Nice. But uh, one thing I wanted to say is mm. that uh, something that we really noticed going back home was that the kids were carrying instruments instead of their phones. Oh, wow. And huh. I, have a, I have two children myself. Vicki mm. has four kids. and. Wow. Our kids carry their phones around a lot, mm-hmm. and it, it's a refreshing change. And oh, yeah. fiddling is almost like taking a step back in time, mm-hmm. because you also see respect that is shown between the youth and the elders, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Wow. These older people are passing the traditions and the culture and their music down to these mm-hmm. younger people, and that's just something that I feel like is is being lost in mm-hmm. today's world. This oh, sort yeah. of community and culture and traditions mm-hmm. and and that's something that also inspired us i just wanted to mention that nice and that's that's a very uh admirable kind of thing to to go for because it is it's very true like i mean i'm guilty of it myself i'm glued to my phone so much and it's it's amazing to think that you know kids in 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 this area are going for like music and everything because that's that's something that i i never had an experience like like playing music or anything like that it's something that's it's a it's a talent that's that's so uh, involved, and it's just it's really it sounds really great. Uh, yeah, well, and one thing that's interesting about music too. I mean, mm-hmm. you're saying you don't play music, right? But I'll bet you're affected by music when you hear it. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. And oh, so yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I mean, people are not only affected by music in a positive way by playing it, but we're mm-hmm. all affected by it. In listening to it, and mm-hmm. it's, it is the universal language. Oh, absolutely! And I feel like yeah. if you if you have a boardroom full of uh, people and they're fighting, if mm-hmm. you just put on some really great music, they might loosen up a little oh, bit. Totally agree. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, when it comes to like documentary filmmaking and everything, I do. I, I have a question I like to like to ask a lot of uh, filmmakers on this: is that when you set out to make the film, like, did you have like a clear idea of like exactly? 
exactly what you were going to depict and and like what uh, what the story of the documentary was going to be, or did it evolve as you as you shot and interacted with the subjects? That's a really great question. It totally evolved. Nice. When we went back there, because it was the 80th anniversary, we mm-hmm. thought, okay, this is going to be cool. It's going to be about the Fiddler's Convention and the mm-hmm. competition that goes on there. And though the Fiddler's Convention is fascinating and really interesting, what became more interesting were the people that were a part of it and their stories, and particularly the kids. We mm-hmm. had an older group that we were planning on following around. And then once we were there and we started hearing hearing these younger musicians play and also talking to the older people. I mean, we have a mixture of gender, age, and race in our film, but it completely changed. And Mm -hmm. then after we shot it, it started changing in the editing room. So it's an ongoing process. Oh, awesome. And uh, how was the editing and how was how was everything? Because that's one thing, again, uh, about documentaries. Like, I have immense respect for documentary filmmakers because I can't imagine, like, putting together like the amount of footage you have to parse through and do that that's i mean it sounds really daunting but really rewarding all the same um can you speak to the editing process like how much footage did you have to cull from and and how how that process went we actually had more than a hundred hours of footage wow and we honestly could have made four or five Mm -hmm. different movies um we could have made a movie about just one particular character Mm -hmm. or any an event that happened and we were really fortunate to be able to work with an outstanding editor Mm -hmm. who really did a fabulous job and who shared our vision for the film and um in working with her you know we were able to really kind of zero in on you know what we wanted the story to be mm-hmm. and uh, but I do I tell people sometimes that you know making a documentary is like someone handing you a box of puzzle pieces and there's no picture on the box so you yep. don't know what the picture is supposed to look like and there's a hundred thousand pieces in the box but only mm-hmm. 200 of them are going to create the picture right so, you, <laughs> <laughs> so it is a daunting task wow Wow. Well, I think we're about out of time here, but congratulations on the film and on on all the success and everything. And best of luck with the rest of the festival. And I'm I'm hoping to get to check out the documentary here soon. Um, but yeah, uh, on that note, there are if you're listening to this, this is going up tomorrow. Um, there is a screening of Fiddlin at on Monday on October 15th at 12:45 p.m. here at Castleton, and again on Thursday, October 18th at 7:30 p.m. at Traders Point. And uh, Julie and Vicky, thank you guys so much for thank for you. your time, so and uh, best of luck with the rest of the festival. Awesome, yeah. thanks. Thank you. Yep. Fiddlin' on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Steve Weistrack from Manry at Sea, uh, producer and director of the film here at Heartland Film Festival. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the film and, and about the film festival circuit that you guys have been doing? Well, good morning. Uh, my film, Manry at Sea, is a feature documentary that is set in 1965. It's a story that had really been forgotten about Robert Manry, mm-hmm. who was a Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper editor. And he had a lifelong dream to sail across the ocean. And so in 1965, he realized that dream by sailing from Falmouth, Massachusetts, to Falmouth, England, in his 13-foot sailboat. And at the time, it was the smallest boat to ever have made that uh, west 
to East Crossing. Mm. And uh, so he had quite an adventure. He was a really good photographer, shot a lot of 16-millimeter Kodachrome. Oh, wow. And uh, because he was, uh, he worked for a newspaper, his colleagues decided to try and track his voyage as he was spotted by ships and so forth and write a lot of stories and sell a lot of extra newspapers mm. and so forth. And uh, so he had uh, a lot of adventures, met a submarine. He was awakened one morning by a submarine oh, wow. and... Uh, he met a freighter that took his mail, and uh, huh. and then he had storms and uh, hallucinations and, and all oh, sorts wow. of things, which are all de- depicted in the film. Mm-hmm. And when he got about halfway cro- across, the plane dealer decided, hey, let's take his family over to England, and we'll wait for him, and then we can have the reunion and so forth, and we'll write even more stories, sell even more newspapers and so forth. Well, the newspaper and news in general competition was so stiff uh, that each of the outlets had spies working in each other's organizations. So the crosstown rival of the plane dealer Mm -hmm. got wind of this, and they sat down and hatched kind of an outrageous plot to track him down at sea before he got to England and be the first to grab the story. Wow. So there's uh, his voyage, and in parallel, there's this newspaper chase. And uh, so it, it becomes kind of a, a two-way story mm-hmm. with uh, him contending with his voyage and you know all, everything that dealt with that. Uh, and then on the newspaper side, all these buccaneer hijinks and so forth as they pursue him. Wow. It sounds like a fascinating story. And I would imagine that filming it would have been uh, could have been a little uh, uh, struggling uh, with the type of story that you're telling. Could you speak to how the experience was making the film? Well, this is a really archivally rich mm-hmm. film. Uh, it's almost entirely archival footage, nice. which is narrated. Uh, in first person mm-hmm. by both Manry and all of the people nice. who were uh, involved in the story mm-hmm. in one way or another. Uh, so there are very few uh, talking heads, really just for introduction uh, for the main part. And then the story just, you know, rolls along. That's that's awesome. Um, how much archival footage did you have to kind of go through to, to piece together the, the film itself? Like, did you have a lot to kind of go from? Was there anything that you wanted to include but, but couldn't find uh, fit it in there? Well, uh, the, the basis of the film uh, is uh, I spent my career as a film editor, a film archivist, and I was a very avid offshore sailor. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I reread his book while I was fitting... Uh, a boat to sail to Hawaii, uh, I noticed in his equipment list that he took a 16-millimeter movie camera. Mm-hmm. So that really rang bells for each of my uh, my own interests, mm-hmm. and I set out to find the film. And I knew that he had died in 1971, which mm-hmm. was only six years after his voyage, wow. and I found a very disassociated family that had really lost touch with each other. Mm-hmm. And so slowly I was able to work through the clues that I got from that. Mm-hmm. And I eventually found the film at his brother's house in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And he told me, yeah, it's in a cardboard box in the back of the garage. And I, I was planning to throw it out next spring. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a little over an hour 
of uh, nice, beautiful Kodachrome uh, that he had shot, uh, plus um, thousands of feet of other footage that mm-hmm. that he had shot, which uh, is from really a, a different voyage. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a couple pieces I was able to use, and then there was a lot of uh, contemporary black and white news footage oh, because wow. the crosstown rival sent um, their ace journalist over there uh, he was from a uh, a sister uh, TV station mm-hmm. and so they shot their whole adventure uh, of their search mm-hmm. and then they shot the first interview with him and uh, but there were outlets from all over the world. It was a huge uh, international sensation at the time. Wow. That's 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 fascinating. Um, and you have been taking it to different film festivals and everything. Um, where has where has it been? Like what awards has it won? Uh, yeah. Well, it premiered in early April at the Cleveland International Film Festival, and I really wanted to premiere it there because mm-hmm. it's a Cleveland story. Oh yeah, and it won. Um, an audience-based award for mm-hmm. uh, what they call the Local Heroes uh, competition. Okay. And then the following week, it was out at the American Documentary Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was really surprised, but it won Best U.S. Feature oh, Documentary. Wow. And uh, it's been in uh, a number of other uh, festivals where it's won what would be the equivalent of a gold medal or a silver medal. And uh, so now I'm here at Heartland, which is just a fantastic festival. Oh, yeah. It's so well organized, and the communication with the staff has been really good, and they've they figured out how to do events like this and others uh, so that it's... I've, I've met the most number of other filmmakers here, oh, wow. uh, nice. probably as many here as I have in all of the other festivals combined. Oh, wow. That's, and uh, at our first screening yesterday, we had a wonderful crowd, very engaged, very some great questions in the Q&A and so forth. So, nice. And then uh, I'm uh, returning to Los Angeles mm-hmm. right after this festival for the Los Angeles premiere. So nice. I'm excited that all my friends and family oh, can yeah. Yeah, finally <laughs> see it. Great. Well, congratulations on the film, and, and uh, best of luck going forward with, with the rest of the festival run and everything. Um, uh, for our listeners, the next screening that you can have of Manry at Sea, I'll go right ahead. It's today, Sunday, uh-huh. uh, at 5 p.m. Okay. at Trader's Point, and then there's another one on Wednesday, Wednesday. at 5 p.m. Gotcha. Yeah, so we want everybody to come out, fill the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has um, just... Been a, the inc- reception has been incredible, and That's so it, it's very gratifying, and I'm very happy with how everything has worked out. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and uh, like you said, best of luck, and and uh, hope hope to see you again at, at future uh, Heartlands. Well, thank you, Matt. This yeah. has been fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there right. we go. And uh, I'm with the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We're a podcast based in Indianapolis that. Uh, I've been running for like five years, so great. Yeah, uh, so I'm here with Nick uh, Novicki. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, with the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, uh, can you tell us about uh, Easter Seals and, and about what what all you guys do? Sure. Well, Easter Seals is the nation's largest disability services organization. Uh, they've been around for a hundred years, helping people with disabilities and their families. 
Uh, I partnered with Easter Seal Southern California two years ago. I founded the Disability Film Challenge six years ago. Um, It's now the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. But Mm -hmm. what it is is it's a weekend film competition where over the course of a weekend, participants write, shoot, edit, and submit a three- to five-minute film that has somebody with a disability in front of or behind the camera. Okay. Um, And that's all done based on a genre that we assign. Nice. And then, you know, everyone that's registered will get an email of what that genre is, Mm -hmm. the themes, props that have to be incorporated, Mm -hmm. and they have that weekend to make a film. Wow. Now, we, we do give two extra days now where we start mm-hmm. to release the genre and the theme. Okay. So, but, so two extra days to kind of think about your story. Sure. Uh, and start wow. getting your locations together and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's really a weekend to do it. That's that's incredible. And it's uh, is it based out of California? Uh, yeah, but it's it's yeah. digital-based, though. Okay, so nice. I, I'm in L.A., and that's mm-hmm. where Easter Seal Southern California is. Sure. Uh, but... You know, it's open to people. We had people enter from 12 countries last year. Because wow. if you register, you're going to get the same assignment. Yeah. So you're getting oh, an yeah. email to you, and all you have to do is the end of the weekend, email back your film. Nice. So That's awesome. We had films from Montana, you know, Indiana, nice. um, Arkansas, Florida, mm. every state, you know, and all That's these incredible. countries. So. Yeah, it's really That's cool. It, it's yeah. been it's been really opening up doors and mm-hmm. getting a lot of people opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, c- I can imagine. And with the, I know the Heartland screened the shorts. What was that? Was yesterday. That yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did that go? And I saw that there was there's a ton that's in yeah, there. Yeah. 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 So we had 14 finalists that screened wow. here. It's amazing. Um, and and it went amazing. Mm-hmm. You know the the crowd. You know, it was an early morning screening, so yeah. sometimes you're walking in, you're like, eh, no one's going to be here. Right. And I walked inside, <laughs> and, and the room was, like, pretty packed. Nice. And I was like, wow. You know, which is a testament to Heartland and, oh, yeah. the, and the film audiences out mm-hmm. here. But oh, the yeah. screening went amazing. And nice. really, the the diversity of the people that are within the shorts mm-hmm. is, is really cool. Nice. Uh, both of people with disabilities. We have all different disabilities represented. The mm-hmm. intersectionality of people with disabilities of all different eth- uh, ethnicities, genders, mm-hmm. uh, but really the experience level, too. Mm-hmm. We had first-time actors, writers, and directors, and we also had Emmy winners and Oscar winners that were actors and filmmakers. Wow. That is incredible. That's yeah. that's fantastic. And, uh, it's I mean, it's it's giving a voice to, to you know, like, people with disabilities, they, like... It's it's something that's that's you know needed the more more shining a light on it and everything like there was a whole controversy with um, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson when he did uh, Skyscraper that he his character uh, was a below the knee amputee mm-hmm. and like I remember that there was a uh, Paralympian that that penned like a very heartfelt letter just saying like don't take roles like this anymore because that's just saying that you know people with disabilities can't do the work and there are actors and actresses that have that like that same disability that you took a job from essentially so it's just amazing to see like that kind of uh opportunity being being shown for for people that have disabilities or or what have you yeah Um, no no so that was katie sullivan uh yes and she's a great actress Mm -hmm. she she's entered the film challenge before oh nice and i produced a movie uh which is in post-production right now called t11 incomplete and she's an actress in that film that's fantastic Uh, and our director is a retired police officer who lost a leg oh wow Um, so and i'm a producer on it as a little Mm -hmm. person so Mm -hmm. you know we have a pretty uh diverse uh, cast and crew and a lot Very of uh, cool. disability representation. Very cool. And you have a, um, I believe John mentioned like millions of IMDb credits or yeah. thousands. Like, uh, yeah. How, 
So that's yeah. uh yeah, I mean really I've been doing uh acting or I've been acting and doing stand up since I was a kid. Oh nice. Um and uh you know, I, I, I realized really early on that I was going to have to produce my own content if mm-hmm. I wanted to play the roles I wanted to play. Sure. And I've been lucky. I've been in over 40 TV shows and movies. Wow. Boardwalk Empire, Sopranos, nice. Drop Dead Diva, a new TV show with the Farley Brothers, Loudermilk. Nice. Um, you know, but, but ultimately having my own content mm-hmm. has opened up the door mm-hmm. because directors and filmmakers like to see what you've done mm-hmm. it's not just enough to say oh this is a nice guy right you know they want to see what you've done and so yeah. the fact that i've been able to produce the roles that i want to play that mm-hmm. i think i'm good at doing oh yeah and people have seen them in film festivals and things like that mm-hmm. that's opened up doors so that's what i wanted to do because people with disabilities are 20 percent of the population right but we're only in less than two percent of film and tv shows yep so I came up with this platform as a way to try to even those odds out a little bit and really encourage people with and without disabilities to take their career in their own hands. Mm. As I said, you only need one person with a disability per film. So really what we've seen is people continue to work with the same actors and directors. That's the way it works. It's in, in some senses, uh, it's, it's a boys club and not saying Mm. just boys, it's for women too, but, but you, you hire the same people you already know. Yeah. And, and we've seen people continue to just work together. So mm-hmm. that's been really cool. Nice. That's very cool. And it seems like a great uh, way to kind of get networking going with, with all of these all of these up-and-coming filmmakers and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and and yeah. it's been – we've become a resource, too, mm-hmm. for big casting directors, producers, nice. directors that say, hey, I was thinking about hiring uh, a little person, woman. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody? And I go, well, here's 15 shorts. Nice. And, and then they're able to go, wow, because <laughs> they're not just seeing a reel. They like to see right. people actually working. Oh, absolutely! That is fantastic. And is uh, is this the first year that Easter Seals, Easter Seals has uh, been uh, affiliated it, with Heartland, or did you guys? Have uh, history no, with yeah. Them? So this this is this is our first year. So it's okay, been, uh, nice. Really exciting. Nice. How's your experience been with the festival? It's been amazing. You know, nice. we had a we had a great time. Came in mm-hmm. Friday. Went to go see uh, an amazing documentary mm-hmm. about people that climb Mount Everest and that oh, kind yeah. of region. Nice. And without oxygen tanks. Jeez. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy and no Sherpas. Oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, went to see Wake yesterday. Oh, yeah. You know, was was had the film challenge event and then a... Mm-hmm. And then a panel on diversity. So Very cool. It was a pretty packed day. Nice. Nice. I'm... It sounds exhausting. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was. But in the best way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so where can people find more of, of your work and, and the Easter Seals uh, Disability Film Challenge online? Well, if you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com, uh, you can find information about uh, the Disability Film Challenge, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, there's links to our social media. Perfect. Uh, our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. Mm. And there's also a way that you can go into my website, nicknovicki.com. Nice. If you go to About, uh, it'll show me as the founder and director on the Perfect. on the website. Uh, and then my social media is on my website, but it's mm-hmm. all at nicknovicki.com. Perfect. So please stay in touch. And oh, yeah. if you guys are thinking about making a mm-hmm. short film, we open up our submissions in January. Nice. Uh, our film challenge is going to be uh, in April okay. of 2019. A weekend. We're announcing that date in two weeks. Nice. Uh, so, nice. so just we, we have all kinds of new exciting partnerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, our prizes are unbelievable. We get $1,000 uh, grants from Universal Pictures to all the oh, winners awesome. 
uh, Dell Computers, big mentor meetings. Mm-hmm. So if you're a filmmaker, there's no better opportunity to make a short film and have it potentially screened as a finalist at the Heartland Film Festival, Perfect. Bentonville Film Festival, the winter screen uh, at the Holly Shorts Film Festival at the Chinese Theater. And we have yes. other partnerships coming up. So please stay in touch and, and help people with disabilities get more involved in entertainment. Absolutely. And again, uh, submissions open up in January, and uh, the weekend of, of filming is going to be in April that you're announcing the date in a couple weeks. Yes. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and best of luck uh, going forward, and uh, congratulations. Thanks yeah. so much. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All, All right, right. It's cool. been a pleasure. It's funny. I was shaking your hand, but then I was like, there's no camera on us. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like doing a very presidential handshake. Right. Yeah. Like, thank you, sir. Okay, so, yes. Yeah. It's very official. <laughs> All right, so I'm here with Wes Miller from uh, River Runs Red, which is playing at Heartland uh, this year. Uh, would you mind uh, telling us about the film and, uh, and your experience with Heartland? Yeah, first, my experience with Heartland has been amazing. Um, top class, you know, first-rate uh, film festival. Just very welcoming, great selection of films. Um, just top tier, and just everybody's been great. Um, and my film, River Runs Red, stars Tay Diggs, George Lopez, Luke Hemsworth, John Cusack, Gianni Campaldi, Jennifer Teo. Um, and it's about a judge whose son is killed in a police stop. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of explores the issues surrounding, you know, um, African-American kids or just anybody getting um, killed in a, in a stop. And the judge, you know, Tay's character essentially is, tries to get justice through the system. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he can't and has to make decisions on what does justi- justice really mean for him. Mm-hmm. Wow, it sounds like an incredible film, and it's one of the ones that I've kind of earmarked to definitely try to see as I try to race through these different films all through the festival. Um, It looks incredible, and the cast is outstanding. Like it's it's really incredible. How did how did the film come together, and how did you how did you uh, kind of get everything together like that? Yeah, I mean, we had a uh, great group of producers that really helped you know support and and push the project, Mm -hmm. and then the cast, you know, they really responded to the material, and you know, Tay and George, you know, just are amazing. They have great chemistry together, Mm -hmm. Um, and George plays a father who. Uh, also loses a son and together you know they work to get justice together um but yeah you know you start with the script just the writing process and then you know just really aligning yourself with strong producers Mm -hmm. um it was hard it was not an easy process um but you know as i'm learning there's a lot of stories with the films here it's Mm -hmm. just independent film is really tough um takes a lot of fight a lot of heart a lot of determination Mm -hmm. and honestly having that great cast was a great boost Mm-hmm. Um, really wonderful to be able to direct them and work with them, and um, just really proud of what they were able to put on the on the screen. Nice, that's fantastic. And uh, you both wrote and directed the film, is that correct? That's correct. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so what, like, what was the inspiration for? It? Like, where did it where did it come from? And and. Uh, yeah, can you can you speak to the themes of the film as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a couple of things. I practiced law for eight years before switching over to be a, a filmmaker. Oh wow! Yeah, and so taking that experience from working inside the system, seeing the um, the things that work and the things that do not work, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, and I also know that film is a very transformative medium mm-hmm. and it's, you know, a medium that I think really inspires and helps, you know, um, create questions and allows us to examine topics mm-hmm. um, without sitting there being, you know, preached at and, and yelled at and told how to vote. Right. Um, so I just kind of took some of that and looked at what was happening in the world today and just realizing like our system is broken and what happens mm-hmm. if a person inside the system, you know, regardless of whatever their race, you know, or yeah. economic status is what if they can't get justice um and i look at the film as more like a modern western in the sense of um this, our justice system is something that was implemented to um, create a more civilized uh society from the wild wild west um so what if that system that was put in place does not work for certain groups are those groups just to do nothing or would society regress back to um, to where we were when we were taking justice in our own hands? Um, and then, you know, during the Q&A last night, you know, an observer mentioned, like, I get it. It's a Greek tragedy. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to tell him. But, like, yeah, it is. It's a tragic story. And I mm-hmm. think tragedies really have the ability to um, give us a, an alternative view and, and think about material. Wow. That's and it seems like an just an incredibly powerful film as well and and like you said the the medium of film is such a transformative and, and powerful medium that it's it's great to convey like those messages and, and and impart that kind of history into into it as well with like like you said the history of uh, law enforcement and everything and, and justice system um, and it had the film had its uh, was it the US premiere last night it was actually the world premiere world premiere yeah, nice yeah, wow that's yeah, awesome how did yeah. how did that go and everything um it went really well mm-hmm. i um the you know as a filmmaker you're always nervous to kind of uh, release your baby into the world mm-hmm. um, but the crowd was really attentive the questions afterwards were very illuminating, and I think it accomplished what I was set out to do, which is A, entertain, and B, cause some critical thinking. Yeah. Um, and as filmmakers, you know, we're constantly pushed between the artistic line and the commercial line mm-hmm. and really working to find a balance to have um, artistic and commercial and social relevant material, you know, all wrapped into one. And I think we were off to a good start with River Runs Red and I'm um, just really excited about the response and uh, for other people to see it. Very nice. And for our listeners, this, this is going up tomorrow. Um, if you're hitting Heartland, definitely check out River Runs Red. It's playing again Monday, October 15th at 3.15 at Castleton. Uh, Tuesday, October 16th at 7 p.m. at Castleton. And then uh, Saturday, October 20th at 2.45 p.m. at Trader's Point. And I'm very much looking forward to checking it out myself. And uh, and I can't wait. It's one of the ones that I've, like I said, I've earmarked it. Awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, has it played it? Well, if it had a world premiere, it hasn't played it. Any yeah. others? Um, is it going to be at any festivals going forward? Yeah. We'll be at DTLA Film Festival next week. And nice. then it releases in... Uh, theatrically November 9th and limited release and also video on demand so a day and date release on November 9th I know it'll be playing in Kentucky I believe it's playing here mm-hmm. um, in like 20 different cities around the, the country nice well congratulations yeah. on the film and uh, on Heartland and, and everything and all your success yeah um, yeah, where can people find find like the social media for the film? Yeah, it's uh, River Runs Red, the movie, on Facebook, and River Runs Red movie on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to, I really want to just take a second to say mm-hmm. how great Heartland is. Nice. Um, 
you know, when you arrive here, you're kind of unsure and opening up your welcome packet, you know, there were some kind words from like elementary students um, nice. reaffirming you as filmmakers and they <laughs> signed their name and handwritten, you know, it's just really heartwarming and it's just first class treatment. Love the festival. Nice. That's that's great to hear because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Heartland just from covering it the last few years. Um, it's just, it's a really great really great uh, organization and, and everything and, and was River Runs Red is that is that your first film or have you had other films in the past or? no th- this is my f- fourth film okay yeah nice. so you know just kind of working my way up sure. uh, you know learning a craft and storytelling nice. and um, but no we're really proud of it that's awesome and it's it looks like it's amazing so I'm very much looking forward to seeing yeah, it yeah I came for you to check it out yeah. oh yeah absolutely well thank you so much for your time alright thank uh, you yeah best of luck with the rest of the festival alright appreciate uh, it can't wait to see it alright thank you <laughs> yep uh, seeing is believing women direct. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, that's one of my top ones that I want to see. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and then tell sure. us a little bit about the about the film. Sure. My name is Katie McLean. I am the director, producer, editor, uh, filmmaker. <laughs> I call it film worker is a little nice. bit more appropriate, to be honest right. with you, uh, of a documentary film called Seeing is Believing, Women Direct, which is having its world premiere at the Heartland Film Festival in its 84-minute version. We have two earlier versions that are shorter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I know from what I from what I gathered from the guidebook because I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Sure. It's about mentorship in in yeah. the filmmaking world between women that are filmmakers. Right? Uh, can you speak to the the subject and, and the uh, the the themes of it and, and what the uh, film's about? Really? Sure. So um, about three years ago, I woke up to all of these statistics about women directors, and I had mm-hmm. started directing, and I really really loved it. And I saw those statistics, nice. and it was depressing. And I thought, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, this really makes me think that maybe I couldn't have a career in this mm-hmm. business. And so I thought, what could I do that could help change things? And mm-hmm. my in- instinct said, make a movie. Nice. <laughs> of course, right? Because that's what we do. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought, well, I could go and talk to all kinds of women directors mm-hmm. uh, or directors who happen to be women, which is kind of right. like a better way of saying it. Absolutely. Right? Um, and to, to hear about how they overcome their obstacles that mm-hmm. they've faced in their life. Um, how they, um, uh, you know, lead, how they mm-hmm. mentor, how they work, why they became directors, where mm-hmm. they came from, um, whether they had encouragement or not, mm-hmm. um, what keeps the passion alive. And um, nice. and I wanted them to really give me their story so that I could give that story to other people and mm-hmm. encourage them to either not quit or to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's such a, uh, such a great kind of mode to go in or a great... Uh, thing to explore because obviously I mean it's especially with like with like the current climate that we're in now like the current uh, culture that we're in like women haven't had like great experiences with filmmaking and everything in in the mainstream it's just it's great to have that Kind of, kind of growing in, in to an to an extent. You know, it's um, so funny. Yeah. It's it, a lot of people just don't know the history of women mm-hmm. in film. And so, yeah. one of the things I do get to point out in the film, and I love to share with people, is that in the silent era, fifty percent of the filmmakers were female. Oh, really? Yeah, I I did not know that. Yeah, wow, absolutely, that's incredible. So it was only when the talkies came in and big money came into the movies and the unions came mm-hmm. in where things began to wow. start to get a uh, very masculine, mm-hmm. and also um, after the war when the men would come home they needed jobs and so there was a whole sort of movement Uh, to like open up jobs for the men Mm -hmm. so that became this combination of economic 
um, incentive and just sort of a kind of an aggressive pressure. Mm-hmm. I always say like wherever there is um, an opportunity for a, a high amount of esteem mm-hmm. or make a lot of money, you'll yeah. find a lot of aggression. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so women, especially at that period of time, we're not encouraged to be involved in aggressive activities. Sure. You know, certainly artistic ones, no problem. But yeah. if it, there was aggression going mm-hmm. on, they were like, you know what, let, let the dudes handle that, right? <laughs> right. So now that things have started to evolve into like mm-hmm. a recognition of the art again, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the creation, we're focusing on the art, oh, yeah. we're able to look back and go, well, how, how did the women who were who continued to be filmmakers mm-hmm. manage to um, exist? And there were a lot of them throughout history. Nice. There just weren't as many as there are now, which mm-hmm. is really great. There's a That's pa- oh, yeah. partly because of the digital revolution and their yep. accessibility, and it's not as expensive, and you can make a movie yourself mm-hmm. if you can just sort of scrap together some funds and the team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is great for everybody, men and women. Oh, yeah. And I think going forward, the thing I'm trying to help everyone focus on is this issue of collaboration mm-hmm. and taking away that sort of gender identification as sort right. of a, 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 a qualifier for leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And um, can you speak to the, the experience of making the documentary itself? Sure. Like how much, uh, how much went into it? Like, like, did you have a clear idea of exactly what you wanted to say or did it evolve as you spoke to the subjects and everything and, and just kind of the experience of filming it? Sure. Um, I definitely started out with a list of questions that I knew I was going to ask everybody because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear about the journey, yeah. you know, because that's really what I wanted to hear. Right. How did you do this? Mm-hmm. Where did you come? Did your parents <laughs> like support you? Because my parents were like, don't do oh, it. Right. Do not get into this. Yeah. Like, Stop now before you make your life a living hell. Right. And, uh, but it also weirdly, I mean, they would say that to a guy, I think, too, because, you know, yeah. the arts is certainly not like the most, oh, you yeah. know, assured uh, income stream uh, exactly. <laughs> you can imagine. It's, it's you know. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But as a woman in that kind of field of, of mm-hmm. what is basically a leadership position, yeah. I was very much discouraged as a woman. I like, no mm-hmm. one's going to take you seriously. It's going to be three times harder. And the right. funny thing is, was my mom wasn't wrong, but mm-hmm. she also didn't really have people to, women to look to and say, well, well, look at this woman yeah. and what she did. And what about mm-hmm. this woman? What she did? You know, exceptions to the rule. So I wanted right. to go and find all of those exceptions. Nice. And so I, I because they exist, mm-hmm. right? And then oh, show yeah. them to people because that's the thing that we don't, I don't think we see enough in the press. And mm-hmm. that's why the press is such a hugely, hugely important part of this whole, you know, change in our culture. And I mm-hmm. thank you so much for this interview and oh, thank yeah. you so much for Absolutely. giving me the attention and the time oh, yeah. to talk about <laughs> this because Absolutely. without you, like mm-hmm. this, that's just really literally that history doesn't shine a light on it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's one of those things where as like a film fan, like I'm I adore the filmmaking everything. <laughs> and it's just there's there's such a uh, masculine undertone to it from mm. from just like in like mainstream media and everything that it's I I like I crave hearing more voices, more like distinct voices of like yeah. like whether it's a different genders or different like races or anything i I crave that kind of that kind of uh film film because it's everyone has different stories to tell and different perspectives and right and we've kind of gotten like bored right yeah kind of like the same old oh here it goes hero's journey oh yeah exactly that's that's what i started with i was like oh i should i love the hero's journey like like, but it's boring but at least it's a structure that i understand exactly and when i was researching like how do i structure this i found something called the heroine's journey which was something that is just starting to get talked about on the film circuit uh it's this whole new journey of how you can go about things in a kind of in a weird intuitive way but 
You're still fighting the fight. You're still going into the battle. But a lot of it is this kind of there's a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion, nice. sorting things out with other mm-hmm. people, um, and then also going out to fight your own personal dra- dragons, right. whoever they might be, you know. <laughs> yes. And but nice. they're not that the dragon is not the only point, which mm. is really interesting on the on the heroine's journey. The dragon nice. is just like one little stop. Wow. You know, and that's not the only that's thing you awesome. overcome. You, you you try to come back with wisdom, mm. and I think men can go on the heroine's oh, journey yeah. as well because men clearly we have the, you have the muse you have the intuitive mm-hmm. feminine the sacred feminine in you i mean oh, it's yeah. you know if you're a creative and mm-hmm. you you know it more than most you right. know <laughs> exactly yeah um how's your experience been with heartland and everything is this is this the first film you've had at heartland or do you have a history with with the film festival at all no this is my first film here nice. yeah so i'm really excited wow. my friend uh amanda lad jones said uh you have to be at this film festival and she was here <laughs> with her film last year and nice. and so she really encouraged me and then and then uh the, uh, I think it was Greg Sorvig mm-hmm. was at um, Sedona where I played the one hour okay. version of the film oh, wow. when I wrote him I said well you know Amanda said I really should reach out to you and <laughs> nice. I have this longer version that's not been seen anywhere and he was like <laughs> oh yay yes. nice. so that was really awesome we have three oh, screenings awesome. here which is so great nice. you know oftentimes you maybe get one or two if you're oh, lucky yeah. but three is incredible oh yeah I'm so so happy about that and, nice uh, yeah and if you're interested in seeing the film uh, I should have had this up. <laughs> oh yes, it's uh, th- yeah. this Thursday at eight thirty, mm-hmm. and then I think it's again on Friday mm-hmm. at five thirty here at the. Okay. Hold on, I'll put it Actually, up, pull it up too. Okay, I Is got it. Five thirty. Five thirty at Traders Point. Yes. So this Thursday at eight fifteen. Eight fifteen at Castleton Square Theater Four, and Friday October nineteenth at five thirty at AMC Traders Point Theater Eleven. Yep, and that scene is believing women direct. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Katie. And um, yeah, it, where can people find uh, your work online and everything, like your your social media presence and everything? Oh, sure. Um, you can learn more about the film at seeingisbelievingwomendirect.com. We're mm-hmm. also being um, distributed by Tug Edu, so it's available for schools and organizations, institutions, libraries, places where people can come together, men and women, and talk about mm-hmm. this. Um, uh, it's really, really great. I've shown it to a bunch of schools, and what's so great is that the dudes like it too. You nice. know, and they really feel like, wow, this is cool. This is a history I didn't know. This is a story mm-hmm. I didn't know. And I can, you know, be, I can produce this woman's film or I can right. like collaborate with this woman. We'll mm-hmm. just, now let's get good. Let's get to the work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I oh, mean? Absolutely. That's what we want to get to. Nice. Right. So that's so great. It makes me really happy. And, um, so. and some high school girls came up to me and goes, I can be a director. And I'm like, yes, you can. That's, Wow, right? that's going to be the most rewarding interaction. Like that's, that's, that's incredible. It's and that's so great. That's what I, that's what I love about, you know, like, like I said, bringing other voices to the table and bringing other, yeah. uh, like, because you know, it, it opens up the just, doors of possibility. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's something you didn't know existed. Oh yeah, and like there's a whole new kind of world of thinking and creating and com- you know discussing things and that we can can experience together, which is mm-hmm. really what we want, right? We don't want oh, to be ex- experiencing things all in our little corner, you know? It, like, exactly. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's really great. Mm-hmm. And um, my name's Katie McLean, like mm-hmm. Katie, like Lady C A D Y. So that's my <laughs> social media handle. I Perfect. all on Twitter and Instagram, and um, and the film is at uh, Facebook. Facebook.com backslash women directors, <laughs> which was three years ago and made a lot of sense. <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah. But that's all, all right. me. Thank you Perfect. so much. Yeah, thank you so much for your time and My congratulations pleasure. on the film. Thank and you. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the, the festival and everything. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. <laughs> all right. So I am here with the crew from uh, the Samuel Project. Uh, why don't you guys go go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about the film? Sure. Uh, I'm Mark Fusco, uh, the writer director. 
I'm Steve Weinberger, the producer. Hal Linden, I'm Samuel. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Ochoa, and I play Eli. Nice. Well, nice to meet you guys. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about the film? And sure. and, uh, and yeah. Okay. Uh, the Samuel Project is about uh, a teenager who gets an art assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the process, uh, he learns a little bit about his grandfather and realizes that he knows nothing about his grandfather and that his grandfather has a, a really amazing story. So he decides to do the art project about his grandfather. And the movie is about them getting, uh, getting to know each other. Nice. Um, and... Uh, Breaking up, uh, you know, a situation where his whole family doesn't really talk to each other, so it's kind nice. of a, a new, new, new era for them. Awesome! That sounds like a really uh, poignant drama, really. Uh, just because it just seems like that kind of subject matter of like kind of excuse I w- me, it's a comedy. it's a it's a comedy. Sure, it is, yeah. it is a comedic drama. Comedic, it's a comedic drama. drama. Okay, yeah. it's not that serious. Gotcha. But it's about it's about a very common. Uh, occurrence, which is lack of communication between Absolutely. generations, yeah, which is uh, uh, endemic, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, in our movie, it's art mm-hmm. that brings the generations together. Nice, and that's incredible. It seems like a uh, a universal kind of kind of subject that, like, you know. Some families like they could take like, the, the older generations for granted, and, and it's something that uh, I feel like would appeal to a lot of a lot of viewers. So, yeah. We've been surprised that folks who come to the theater, uh, even younger folks, tend to relate to uh, Eli's journey, and also can relate to the, their families as well. Um, and of course. Uh, Hal plays a character that has a history from World War II. Mm-hmm. And no one in his family knew about how yeah. he was saved in World War II in Germany. So wow. this all comes out in, in Eli's project uh, mm-hmm. that he does f- for school. Nice. And uh, can you speak about like the inspiration for the film and like and the uh, the experience of, of filming and the production and everything? Yeah, boy, as well, we, we didn't have much money. Is a common independent film tale. Sure, sure. Uh, but you know, one of uh, Steve and I put the story together based on I think uh, you know a bunch of folks we knew inspired by a bunch of real stories and we all know mm-hmm. folks from you know that have stories from world war ii whether they're survivors uh or not um or on the other side and we just thought well what a what a great tale we could put together in a unique way that if we told it from the point of view of uh the teenager you know yeah. for, for once sure uh and that's kind of what grounded everything and, and how was uh he was scheduled to be on stage in san diego where we shot the film mm-hmm. at the old globe and uh and we realized Wow, this time save, you could save transportation and, a, and room if they hired me. That's how I got nice. it. Uh, it was a little more complicated. He's being humble, but it was, uh, we were very lucky to get him, and nice. the timing worked out. Uh, we were able to basically pre-production while he was mm-hmm. rehearsing and putting his play on. Uh, Perfect. That's, I'll tell you what kind of indie this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel plays a, uh, a dry cleaner. Okay. One man dry cleaner shop or two man dry cleaner shop, and you know they take care of everything, and that's his life. Mm-hmm. That and going home and having dinner and watching television. We actually shot it in an extant, functioning dry cleaning shop. Oh wow! In Shelter Island, outside in San Diego, huh. functioning. I'm talking about <laughs> if a customer came in, we stopped shooting. Wow! And the little lady who was sat in the corner <laughs> ran up and took care of the customer who was. 
glancing all around. What kind of dry cleaning still has these lights? <laughs> and 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 wow. as soon as the door closed behind her, take two. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. And uh, Ryan, how did you get on board with the project? Well, my story is pretty cool uh, to me. <laughs> I actually w- was born in San Diego. I don't think we mentioned the, mo- the film takes place in and around S- San Diego. Sure. Uh, I was born and raised. And Steve over here, one of his friend's daughters, actually saw my photo hanging up in a uh, Mexican restaurant that mm-hmm. I grew up in all pretty like every weekend. <clears throat> my dad owned a furniture store across the street um, for 18 years, so I was always there. Anyway, she recognized me from, you know, past projects of, you know, my Disney and Nickelodeon days mm-hmm. and told her father, her dad ended up telling Steve, hey, I heard you're casting for this film. And, nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. It's a lucky story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And uh, let's see, you guys co-wrote the script. Is that correct? Okay. Can you speak to that? Steve and I were, we, we put a summer project together, but we really developed, uh, t- you know, we developed the story together for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we um, we tried to. We were approached kind of to do a modern day story about a, um, a person who experienced the Holocaust. So okay. we had put together three or four type different treatments. And mm-hmm. um, long story short, what ended up happening was we um, what we see on screen is what we kind of came up with mark we had another writer involved as well and mark um ended up coming in to direct and and then re, re you know rewrote the script a little bit and then mm-hmm. we went from there a lot. nice a lot <laughs> a lot <laughs> from uh the the script that you see but even the script that i that i originally read and hal originally mm-hmm. read his was a little bit different Mine was a little bit different, mm-hmm. uh, but the the original concept idea was so different. Obviously, they could speak more about it, but mm-hmm. it was almost like a, a revenge story. Okay. Yes, it was a lot heavier. Mm-hmm. But once we realized that we were telling the story through the boy's eyes, because mm-hmm. it is the picture is about Ryan's character. It originally wasn't. It originally wasn't, but as we... Once that element got in there, we realized that's really the arc we wanted to use to tell the story, and so the, everything changed to fit that. Nice. It was definitely the most interesting way to go. Yeah. We've all seen historical dramas, and we didn't want to do that again. So, Right. Uh, what's your experience like with been with Heartland and uh, in the festival circuit? Have you guys had it at other festivals? And, yeah, you know, uh, we've uh, we've done several festivals. We just mm-hmm. came... We love Heartland. We, I, I, you know, we've been treated... Beautifully, uh, and they've really. Em- <laughs> we, 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 exactly. we've, we've embraced. Uh, we've we've uh, everybody's embraced the film, which is amazing, and just the love of movies up here uh, is really refreshing. Uh, we came from the San Diego Film International Film Festival mm-hmm. yesterday. We were there. Oh wow! Um, two days ago, actually showing our film, um, and uh, and then we've we've done uh, several festivals. We've won. Won a couple. Uh, the the Jewish film festivals embrace mm-hmm. the film as well. It's a very passionate Jewish nice. uh, audience that likes the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're very lucky, excited to. Yeah. Very nice. Well, congratulations. Thanks. And uh, and for our listeners, uh, this is going to go up on Monday. So uh, if you're hitting Heartland, you can see the Samuel Project on Thursday, October 18th at 8:15 at Traders Point. 
and on Saturday, October 20th at 3 p.m. at Traders Point as well. And I'm hoping to hit one of those screenings for sure. I can't wait, and I, I don't I don't mean to brag about my cast, but um, <laughs> uh, Hal and Ryan are amazing. Right. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, award-winning performances by these guys, and we're really lucky nice. to have them film. So, yeah. Nice. And how did you guys get into the characters and, and get into this kind of dynamic of you know of being relatives on screen? Well, the interesting part about it is we uh, playing. Uh, a, a distant grandfather mm-hmm. and grandson. We didn't meet until two days before with the actual shoot. Oh wow! And and we sat next to each other at a restaurant table, and Ryan was on his phone the whole time, <laughs> texting away, and I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> but then again, it it worked very well because the characters start not angry at each other, just dis disconnected. <laughs> Nice. And and it took the entire film to connect us together, just the way it happens in the uh, in the script. That's fantastic. Yeah, Hal, yeah, Halden wasn't like mad at me <clears throat> for <laughs> he wasn't mad at me for being on my phone, but right. that's our generation. I mean, sure. sadly, oh yeah, I I didn't know that it was a year later going to be talked about in interviews (laughs) my my cell phone experience at the dinner table I go with my brothers to dinner and we're all on our phone for like the first 10 minutes you know we're posting that we're at dinner (laughs) together (laughs) that's our generation Uh, but yeah going back into it we we really didn't know each other but Mm -hmm. that was that was like the 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 beautiful part for me Mm -hmm. and for that relationship in the movie is we ended up kind of growing and and Hal knows that you know maybe there's gonna be a time where I pull out and take a selfie with him at the dinner table right. <laughs> but now I actually have learned that there's so much there's so much more to that mm-hmm. you know sit down and have a conversation with your oh, with your, your parents and your grandparents put down your phone for mm. an hour I mean oh, an yeah. hour kids are on their phone all day long right have a you know sit down and you know have a have a drink with them uh, mm-hmm. a coffee not a drink, drink right coffee right. <laughs> so yeah well thank you guys so much for for your time and congratulations right. on the film thank and uh, best of luck with the rest of the festival run and with heartland and everything and uh once again that's the samuel project you can see it at heartland and uh yeah thank you guys so much and have a great one <laughs> thank you yep Yep, we love sharing mics. We're mic sharers, aren't we? Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm here with Pearl and Barbara yes. from The Turnout, which uh, is another uh, one of those movies that I saw the uh, it in the guidebook, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have um, one of my co-hosts as a mutual friend with you. Um, yeah, Holly, my, my one of my co-hosts. Holly is, Dumas? Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, she actually yeah. helped us set up a benefit at a local oh. bar called The Corner Bar. Oh, nice. And we raised money for a cent 121. Nice. That so shout out to Holly Dumas. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And her band. And mm-hmm. she's an amazing woman. Yeah. I think uh, one of my co-hosts, Kirsten, she's her uh, Holly's niece. Holly is yeah. her Holly is her aunt. There you go. Hello, yeah. Holly. Yeah. And so, Kirsten. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've been looking forward to chatting with you about the film. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, but You can it, still come. Exactly. Monday oh, night, yeah. 7 p.m. Is this yep. going to be on before then? Uh, it is going to go up Monday. So, yeah. So they have so, time Monday night. And then oh, Wednesday yeah. night at 4.45. Yep. And uh, Monday it'll be at Newfields. And Wednesday it'll be at Castleton. Uh, so, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the film and uh, about your guys' roles within, within the project? Sure. So the film's called The Turnout. It's a play on words. Um, the Turnout is 
the uh, area on the side of the road where truckers might pull over to rest. But it's also uh, lingo for the first time someone is forced into prostitution. They turn mm-hmm. that person out. Um, so we wanted to title that because we wanted to show the instant relationship um, between truckers and uh, people who are being trafficked at truck stops and across the country. And since truckers are the eyes and ears of America, they're right there on the ground. They're not mm-hmm. flying over anything. Right. They see a lot, and so this empowers truckers to take action, mm-hmm. um, and they do. There's an organization called Truckers Against Trafficking that's very oh, nice. amazing, and they do a lot of training for truckers so that they know mm-hmm. who to call and so on. So I started researching the subject because I met a trucker actually from here in Indianapolis. His wow. name is James Gagney Jr., actually mm-hmm. Friends of Holly. Oh, nice. And um, I learned a lot about the trucking industry through him. And then I started to get interested in the question of how they can be effective to fight trafficking. And that's when I met Barbara through a court system called the Catch Court. The judge who started that program that Barbara's going to tell you about Mm -hmm. recommended I meet her because she's the first graduate. Um, So she herself is a survivor and an activist and Mm -hmm. is now advocating for people who are being trafficked. And she's got a home, a halfway house, and a program that helps people who are being trafficked on the streets right now in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm going to introduce you to Barbara Freeman. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's remarkable. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us about all, everything. <laughs> well, basically, um, like Pearl said, I'm a survivor of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trafficked for 23 years. Um, it's almost been 10 years that I've been out of it. Um, when I met Pearl, you know, it was just so amazing to mm-hmm. to be able to be recognized other than what I had been recognized for, right. you know, the life that I used to live. So mm-hmm. she kind of did the open eye, you know, to this new life of mine, um, along with Judge Paul Herbert. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just been amazing, um, actually, to play the role mm-hmm. um, that I played. And I was actually able to, to disclose some things of my real personal life. Um, mm-hmm. When they show the the actual pictures, it's actual pictures of mug shots and, and times as I was being trafficked, um, as well as me talking about some of the things that happened to me as I was going through trafficking. So I just think that it's very important, you know, to watch this type of film to get educated, not only for the homes, but also for the schools and the community mm-hmm. um, to know some of the signs and some of the things to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people want to sweep it up under the rug and they want to hide it. Um, I think in Columbus, like I did a, a very great deal of opening it up and mm-hmm. a lot of people became boisterous and coming from behind those those um, curtains and, you know, uh, lifting that rug back and saying, hey, you know, this happened to me. And, you know, for so long they were scared to talk about it. But um, just after being an activist and, and being voiceful with it, a lot of people opened up about it. And, you know, when it came to Columbus, it was a sellout. Nice. We can't wait till it come back. Mm-hmm. I'm getting emails like all morning, like, Bar, when is it coming back? So, you know, just, you know, everybody here, just take some time out and, and come and watch oh, yeah. it. Because it doesn't have to be your own. You can probably help save somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Or even just knowing, like, what's going on next door, down the street. Because, oh, yeah. it, I mean, you know, it happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, no one um, is exempt. Right. I'm going to put it like that. It doesn't matter how much money you make or where you live. Um, it's happening. So, yeah. And it seems like it, it's, a, I mean, it's an issue that is... Uh, for lack of a better word, like people can kind of turn a blind eye to because they don't see it every exactly. day or anything. Exactly. And, that's, and that's horrible. Like that's terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's 
it's a really uh, it's it's a big issue, and it's it's incredible that we have this this film to kind of showcase like what's going on and everything. Yeah, I mean that was the intention is to. I know this is a difficult story, mm-hmm. um, and you know stories that Barbara shared with me and some other people in Columbus, Ohio that she also knows who have survived. Mm-hmm. They shared their stories with me. Uh, one of them is Jennifer Kempton, who's actually uh, has passed since, and the film is dedicated to her. Just the continued struggle. So I think Barbara's right. I think that there are ways in which we're engaged with um, the demand for trafficking without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And by that, I just mean human trafficking in general, so labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. So there are ways in which we can be a little bit more empowered to try right. and make it difficult for predators mm-hmm. to um, to traffic their victims, enslave them. Mm-hmm. And you know, this film looks specifically at sex trafficking, and it looks specifically at domestic trafficking, specifically tied to the opioid epidemic and the drug crisis and addiction crisis that we have in our country mm-hmm. because where there's drugs there's trafficking and where there's right. trafficking there's drugs um, and sometimes it takes um, addiction to enslave someone mm-hmm. so that's one of the ways in which someone does what's called grooming mm-hmm. they groom their victims so they look for vulnerabilities and it could be anything from uh, a lack of friendships lack of financial stability although that's not the only one it could be literally so many ways in which these predators are so good at what they do. They know how to identify a vulnerability a mile away. Mm-hmm. And then they take advantage of it. And then that's the beginning mm-hmm. of a very long and very painful process as they get drawn into the life. And then once they're in the life, it's extremely difficult to get out of it. And sometimes it's tied to questions of shame, mm-hmm. um, livelihood, survival. Right. I mean, literally, their lives can be at risk as well. So... I think for me, what's important with the film, even though it's an extremely difficult film to make, it was very um, hopeful at the end. Mm -hmm. And it really gets people to believe that they do have power and they can make change. And sometimes it's something as small as a phone call to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. If you Mm -hmm. see something strange, you you will not get anyone into any trouble if you call that number because they do not send police officers. Mm -hmm. They send advocates. And in fact, Barbara plays an advocate in the film. Oh, and and, and other ways that you can do is like you can actually volunteer at organizations like Barbara's in in Columbus, Ohio is called the Freeman Project. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, easy to find. Just Google the Freeman Project, Barbara Freeman, um, anything from, uh, you know, you can get involved with organizations here locally like Ascent 121, Mm -hmm. which is a local organization. They're going to be at every one of our screenings. So if you have direct questions to them, the people can come and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are ways in which, you know, again, no judgment if people are hiring commercial sex and they are lonely and they have the need mm-hmm. just be aware you know number one they are part of the demand mm-hmm. unfortunately there's no other way to cut that that is the truth but if the demand is there um, again no judgment make sure to ask that that person needs does they do they need help or not they may not be able to answer whether they're being forced to be there but the next question can easily be do you need help do you want me to make a phone call for you mm-hmm. and again do do call the national human trafficking hotline they know who to send out they know when police officers are trained to not just come in there and re-victimize a victim. Right. Not that co- cops do that. It's just right. that it's a very intricate situation mm-hmm. and they don't want to... And also they don't... They won't arrest anyone for the demanding it either, for hiring either, right. or for drugs in the room or anything like that. They really just come in and want to see what's going on, assess the situation and make sure um, to stay focused on whether or not someone's being trafficked in the scene. Mm-hmm. And that the film looks at that um, very subtly... Yeah. Um, but the film basically follows a trucker and how he comes to the realization of what the system is and how it actually functions domestically. Mm-hmm. And what kind of uh, kind of uh, impresses me about about the I film it, it. itself as well is that uh, it has a 
according to the guidebook, it, it has like a, a meld of documentary and, and narrative, like you said, like like you play a, uh, an advocate in the film, and a lot of the uh, performers and actors are, are first time actors that have have survived this this thing, and that's just that's an incredible thing to incorporate into the film was that something that was always at the forefront at the beginning of it or uh, uh, no something that actually it about? wasn't um, I am a documentary filmmaker by training and mm-hmm. I have done documentaries for about 10 years mm-hmm. and my first film is a feature doc but this was going to be my slow move from doc approach into um, working with actors okay but uh, I have I was moving out of the area where the truck stop which was Mineral Wells West Virginia and the lady that let us shoot there who's actually in the movie she was oh, running nice. the truck stop at the time wow. she plays the woman who runs the truck stop <laughs> she was giving us all this access and I was moving out of state and I mm-hmm. thought we better go and do it and that's when Barbara agreed to be in the film and Jim nice. agreed to be in the film and I thought hey I've made docs I've worked with really powerfully amazing people in front of camera who have never acted before mm-hmm. in a documentary you know I'll just help them and, and frankly a lot of the script came from stuff they shared with me anyway absolutely yeah um, if I may ask, was it was it hard for you to for uh, for for you, Barbara, to to kind of tell tell your story and and have it be uh, have parts of it incorporated into the film? No, it wasn't. Actually, um, I love telling my story. Nice. Um, you know, when I was in catch court um, with Judge Paul Herbert, you know, I asked him to get every news channel in there that he could because I knew that me sharing my story would help other people to open up and help other people, you know, change lives and save mm-hmm. lives. Um, I think that it was so amazing for Pearl to say, Barb, just play yourself, just roll with it, because it's nothing like really hearing a real story. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can get we can get told a, a, you know, what I'm saying a nonfictional story. We can be we can be told that and, and love it all day long. But, you know, to really know and be able to face what's really going on, like you need to hear the real story. Oh, absolutely. So even today, I still share my story all over the world wherever I can um, and it's so amazing because like I get to go in schools I get to go into the into the system the police department the nurses the you know in colleges and, and everything and share my story and it's so amazing because so many people open up like hey this has happened to me you know and I'm, I'm just so glad that I was able to make it out because everybody doesn't make it out mm-hmm. so I'm just thankful and I praise God that I was able to make yeah. it out so yeah and to yes. say you know especially now in the Me Too you know people are talking about mm-hmm. the, you know hashtag me too generation which is right. super important that people do tell their stories of assault mm-hmm. um especially now after what we just went through with our supreme court nomination yep it is so important to keep mm-hmm. underlining how important it is to share stories and just because in this public arena one person was not believed mm-hmm. and was instantly trashed for sharing her story i want to keep encouraging people to continue to give testimony to what mm-hmm. they believe they've been through yeah because we are listening and we may not be front of camera right now, but we're getting there. Right. And there are many women like Barbara out there, and Barbara keeps inspiring many others, not just women, but men too, mm-hmm. to keep sharing their stories oh, yeah. because there really is power in numbers, and we do believe. And there are those of us who will continue to fight mm-hmm. for the right to tell these stories and to be believed. So, you know, that's a very big step. And I got to hand it to Judge Herbert, who started Catch Court, because he did believe these women. And he started what's now a groundbreaking program. Mm -hmm. And he's not the only one anymore, but he was one of the first. There was a couple more before him at that time, one in New York, and I believe one in Pennsylvania, doing what's called... um, it's an alternative court, so it is called, that treats prostitutes as potential victims of trafficking because about 90% of them are right. actually victims of trafficking. And so he believed, 
and he believed these women. And then he started this program that saved lives like 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Barbara was in the first graduating class of catch court. And so now more and more courts are starting to consider through legislation Mm -hmm. the possibility of believing these women, that they're actually being trafficked. And then therefore, if they go through this program, they get clean, because again, that's one of the chains in the bondage. Mm -hmm. They learn how to believe in themselves. They learn how to check, uh, you know, uh, balance checkbooks, Mm -hmm. believe that they're worthy, that they don't have to go back to their pimp traffickers. Through this program, which is very, very intense, Mm -hmm. once they get through it, in most cases, it's been working out that their uh, prostitution records can be expunged because those prostitution records are part of the chains of bondage. Mm -hmm. You know, and it makes it really hard to have a new life, to be able to get jobs, to be able to keep your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some real effects that these traffickers have caused upon these women's lives. They have stolen so much. Mm -hmm. And so it's people like Judge Herbert and other legislators like Representative Teresa Fetter, who was one of the first out of Ohio Toledo, Ohio. Um, So if you're listening to this in Toledo, Ohio, she's up for office this November. So please vote. Mm -hmm. It is um, unfortunately an unpopular subject. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do not want to see prostitution go away. And so they, they're a little hesitant supporting the anti-trafficking movement. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants anybody to be kidnapped off the street. But right. when you start talking about it from the, from the, in the position of like looking at it as actually prostitution, mm-hmm. and you start thinking about um, the poor or uh, people who are going through some pretty desperate times, it's just not as exciting to support this program. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to keep considering this as just mm-hmm. as dramatic and just as horrible as someone being just kidnapped off a street. Right. It's literally the same thing, the mm-hmm. same feeling, even though it doesn't look that way to our right. naked eye. And if you want to keep, you know, certain demands fed mm-hmm. and you you do have that need for commercial company as it's called, mm-hmm. please make sure that that person first doesn't need your help mm-hmm. and put that before your com- your need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think we're I'm being unpopular, aren't I? No, oh, you're, <laughs> you're great. But, you know, film can make a difference. You've got filmmakers mm-hmm. listening because I know you're a filmmaking podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, films can make a difference. Keep oh, putting yeah. cameras and mics mm-hmm. in the hands of survivors mm-hmm. and witnesses and people who can tell these stories. You know, and, you know, it may not be a romantic comedy, but there's right. a lot of hope in this film. And mm-hmm. it, it is inspiring. People walk out of this film and say, I want to show this to mm-hmm. teenagers. I want to show, I know that this can help. You know, so that's what we're going to do. Our next step is to get educational distribution, which means we'll get it in oh, schools awesome. and community programs. So if anyone mm-hmm. wants to reach out to us, uh, you can reach us at yeah. The Turnout Film, uh, both on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Nice. Yeah, so we're pretty easy to find. Barbara Freeman's Perfect. really easy to find. Mm. www.thefreemanproject.com. Freemanproject.com. Perfect. And uh, thank you guys so much for for your time. And, and we love being here in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. it's How's been amazing. Your experience been with Harlan and everything. <laughs> it's been amazing. The hospitality was beautiful. The food was the bomb. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we love our swag bags. Nice. <laughs> they gave us really cool bags since you can't see because this is that's the radio. Awesome. Yeah. Right. So, it was great. Thank nice. You. Well, that's great. And you're yeah. here. Yeah. What yeah. more can a person want? I know, right? We get to meet you in the filmmaker's tent. <laughs> exactly. Sitting well, here with Matt Hurt, right across from. The bar that's free yep. and also has non-alcoholic options. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and thank, thank you for you. making the film and for for all that you do because it's 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 incredible. And I'm gonna make sure I put a 
put notes and uh, links in the show notes to all Thank of you. all of your guys' stuff. And um, it's just it's a really important topic. And again, uh, and we have power. We have power yeah, to make change. Exactly. We do. Yeah. And if anyone out there needs help, you just call that uh, human trafficking mm-hmm. hotline. Mm-hmm. If you're listening in some way or another, and you know, I'm looking up the number as I'm buying some time here. <laughs> it's 888-373-7888. 888-373-7888. That's the number you call. And if you're someone who's seeing something, you mm-hmm. will not get anyone into trouble if you call mm-hmm. that number. They do not come in with, you know, FBI jackets on, right. blazing with guns. They send in someone like Barbara. It's, very, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very compassionate rescue. Nice. You know, and I do want to add, don't wait until it's your very own. Get educated mm-hmm. now. Be an activist now mm-hmm. because you never know. It's way deeper than what you think it is. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we and love uh, film festivals that yeah. give us an opportunity <laughs> oh, to yeah. talk about it. Oh, yeah. It's it's great. It's fantastic. You, and uh, once again, you can see the turnout at Heartland at, on Monday, October 15th at 7 p.m. at Newfields. Wednesday, October 17th at 445 at Castleton. And uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you. And thank you. congratulations. And thank uh, you. best of luck with the rest of the festival. Do I have to talk into it like close? Uh, yeah, if you don't mind, like kind of, kind of close to it, like kind of think of it as like an ice cream cone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, so I'm here with Elliot Gray from Time Well Spent. Uh, can you tell me about your affiliation with the film and then tell us about the about the film itself? So I'm Elliot Gray from Australia, um, here in Indianapolis, United States of America. <laughs> um, the film I'm here for is Time Well Spent. It's uh um, documentary about four young guys who have had real hard past and um, kind of surfing in the oceans kind of got them through their hard times and um, so we share their stories we d- journey with them um, in their home hometowns and everything and then we tell them that we're going to take them on a surf trip to Panama mm-hmm. um, but to show that they can also give back and, and, and help out others. So we build a house for a family in need. Oh, wow. And um, do, like, water filtration projects. Mm-hmm. And, um, nice. yeah, just to see the change in, in, their, in their lives, like, through the whole process of the filming mm-hmm. is, like, was, like, one of, the, one of the biggest things. And we got to make a documentary about it as well. So <laughs> it's a That's bonus. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was looking through the guidebook. I haven't had a chance to see the film yet. Yeah. But... The locations that you filmed in. Can you speak to? Can you speak to how like how it was? And also, what was your role in the film? You were uh, director of photography, director of photography, yeah, DP, and executive yeah. producer. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about filming it and uh, and what the inspiration was for for going for this documentary? Yeah. So the director James, we're like pretty good friends, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we spent a lot of time together. And then he's, he called me up, and he's like, right. I really want to do this. It's been on my heart. Like, I've got, nice. I've already got three kids in mind, and so he had been working in um, in Peru, mm-hmm. and one of the kids who's in the film, um, he was sixteen at the time, um, and he's like, J- James was leaving to go back to America, mm-hmm. and the kid was like, Jefferson was like, James, can I come back to America and do a surf trip with you? And James like, nah, not this time, but I promise you one day I'll take you on a surf trip. Nice. And so it's always been on James' heart since Jefferson was 16. And then it actually happened um, six years later. Oh, so wow. It's, nice. It's been a process, but mm-hmm. it's kind of what made James to get into filmmaking and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he told me about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm coming. Because I was just a photographer mm-hmm. at the start. But then this film kind of turned me into 
become a filmmaker. That's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's been a big big step and process. Nice. But um, yeah, so we so there's Jefferson from Peru. There's mm-hmm. Cross. He's from Hawaii, um, and that and Henry from Indonesia, mm-hmm. and Declan from wow. Australia. So I knew I knew Declan. Mm-hmm. James's wife knew Henry from Indonesia because he's um, James's wife's sister works in Indonesia. Okay. And um, James's friend um, knew Cross from Hawaii, so that's how they all met, and yeah, that's <laughs> nice. how it all started. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, the documentary deals with uh, you know the hardships and everything, like like poverty and everything. If I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, yeah. like how. Like, what was the kind of message of it, and like, how how did it uh, materialize um, in the film? So the whole the whole thing of the like the storyline is your past doesn't define your future. Mm-hmm. So nice. it's kind of you know to bring kind of bring hope for people who don't really um, are in a similar situation as these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it like Cross was um, brought up homeless. Um, Declan, his his dad took his own life. Um, oh, wow! When and they were best friends. It's like, um, but it's kind of just showing how we got through these mm-hmm. hard times. And um, Henry was yeah brought up in a children's home. His mm-hmm. mother like couldn't have him in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and just passed him on to a children's home. Wow! Um, without really telling him, so he just got put in wow. a car and sent off to his children's home when he was five mm-hmm. and he's he's been there since um and jefferson was being like physically and psych psychologically psychologically affected by his dad because mm-hmm. his mother oh yeah yeah his um mother was being beaten and stuff and wow. she left and he went to find it um his mum and he jumped on the train and mm-hmm. didn't realize how big lima was and mm. and then just ended up living in in some random park in wow. in Lima, like because he had no money or anything, mm-hmm. so and then he got picked up by a, a lady in mm-hmm. um in Lima and and that's how she took him to wow. the beach and that's how he started surfing and he's an wow. like an amazing surfer. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, how has the kind of festi- festival run been and and how uh, how's the experience been with Heartland? Yeah. So um, we actually. At our f- first film festival, we met Greg. So d- we didn't really know much about oh, Heartland. Nice. And he was our mediator mm-hmm. um, for our actual our premiere. So it was nice. our world premiere and we had it in Sedona. Wow. And, um, yeah, so Greg was like, oh, we became good friends. And, nice. Um, and then, yeah, so he was like, yeah, come to, like, put your entry into Heartland. Mm-hmm. We'll cover the um, admission fee and stuff. And nice. So we put it in and... Um, we're thinking, oh, it's in the middle of middle of nowhere. Like, right. there's no ocean near us. <laughs> I'm near them, so right. yeah, we'll just see if we get in. It'll be really good because yeah. it's a pretty big festival, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then we'll, t- to our surprise, we got in, and mm-hmm. yeah, we're pretty happy with that. And <laughs> nice. Yeah, we've we've done a f- we've done this is pretty much one of our last festivals. Oh so, yeah. Um, nice. We've done a, f- a f- fair few now, and it's mm-hmm. um, we've won a few awards and stuff as well, which is nice. pretty exciting. Congratulations. And, um, yeah, but it's really cool to see nice. um, a lot of different films mm-hmm. being played here and oh, yeah. uh, meeting a lot of lot of the other filmmakers and stuff mm-hmm. who are actually premiering their 
um, films and docos and stuff like that. It's really, yep. yeah, it's a really cool event, neat event. Just need to go oh, yeah. into the city and check out some of Indianapolis, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, before, before I let you go, because we're, yeah, we, we've got time. Yeah. Um, what was the experience like going from, from, you know, doing photography to doing, like, photography on a film? Like, the... Yeah doing like the role of the dp like how was that transition did you did you have any uh, uh experience with that like uh issues with that or anything yeah no nah, um so at the start because filming and photography it's a lot different yeah <laughs> um one you just you kind of you've you've got the the eye for it so mm-hmm. you're kind of just sh- shooting but then when there's motion as well it's a lot different so mm-hmm. but i know i picked it up pretty well because i've nice. kind of some you have an eye for it, so mm-hmm. it's just a few techniques of like um, of how the actual camera works. And sure. Stuff <laughs> whilst filmmaking, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll learn a lot of that on the way. And um, I do. I did a lot of the water photography filming as well. So, oh yeah, nice. yeah. Just loved being in the water, mm-hmm. kind of amongst it, amongst the the <laughs> yeah. groms, and um, wow. yeah, not nah, getting getting in there. And as a real kind of. It was, a, it was a great experience because, mm. like I've kind of realised through film, you can have so much more of an impact mm. than you can, I believe, through photography. Like, you can still sure. through photography, but I think film's something that's really growing and mm. that's really impactful and that can be... and that can influence a lot of people as well. Oh, yeah. So... I've kind of been pursuing a f- like film lately, which is nice. well, ever since I've started filming for Tom mm-hmm. or Spent. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's it's a pretty pretty neat experience, and nice. hopefully it keeps going. Cool. Well, congratulations on on the film and for for being here at Heartland, and uh, and yeah, uh, best of luck with the rest of the festival and everything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and if you want to see Time Well Spent, um, it is going to be playing uh, when you're listening to this. It's going up on Monday. Yeah. Um, it'll be October fifteenth at twelve thirty at Castleton. Then again, Friday, October nineteenth at three. 15 p.m. at Traders Point. And uh, thank you so much, Elliot. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the rest of the festival. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ooh, all right, so I'm here with, with the uh, crew from Wake, uh, which just had their world premiere. Was it world premiere? Yeah, uh, last night here at Heartland Film Festival. Um, can you guys introduce yourselves and, and tell us a little bit about the film and, and what the experience was like with the premiere last night? Uh, my name is Paul Strolley. I'm one of the exec producers of the film, and I also play the role of Frank. Nice. Hi, my name is Arjuna Shinde. I'm the executive producer and the editor of the film. And I'm Cyrus Miracor, producer-director of Wake. And Wake is a film about three generations of women living underneath the same mortician or mortuary roof, right? Oh, wow. Um, and uh, the mother of the daughter is given a gag gift in the form of a life-sized doll that goes um, surrealistically strange as the story moves through. So Nice. Um, with something like that, that has you know uh, a prop-intensive uh, film, I would imagine, 
how was the experience filming with it? And like, how was the experience of just creating the film and everything? Well, wonderful experience, absolutely, right? I mean, the cast and everybody. But in terms of the prop and the doll, mm-hmm. it, we had to approach it a little different way. And we had to decide how we were going to utilize the doll, right? We wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we used it comedic, dramatic, in different yeah. ways. And then finally, maybe not even use it in, in different areas, right? right? So as we get the sort of rules of the game established. Mm-hmm. But we did have to go through and make sure that we shot it twice, that we mm-hmm. were able to pick up in the edit the, exactly the intentions we wanted ah. for when the doll went a little more surreal versus when sure. it was actually a doll. Yeah. So, yeah. And was the doll a uh, 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 struggle? Did they, did the doll, was the doll like a Brando <laughs> like in, or a diva or anything? Was it a struggle? No, it was, a, it, a was performance? it was, yeah, <laughs> no, no, not at all actually because of an art, when, when, when our doll goes a little more lifelike, we'll give away a little bit of it. It's mm-hmm. actually was Joe Coy um, oh, nice. who, who played the doll. And amazing to work with. So, no, we had nice. no issues with the doll becoming a diva when we needed to Perfect. actually show it. Perfect. So, <laughs> we should point out one thing is that mm-hmm. sometimes the doll is a doll. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the doll is Joe Coy. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just like, so we did uh, actually, it goes both ways. One, one of the reasons that uh, uh, Archana and, and Cirrus got interested in, in Joe Coy as an option for the role was seeing his special, and he is mm-hmm. so animated. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and has a, such a great physical comedic sense. So they were looking for someone to match a doll up. And also it made us very easy technically because he's completely bald, which is much easier <laughs> to render in doll form than a nice, you know, intricate hairstyle. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you guys had your world premiere last night. And, uh, yeah, how was that experience? And uh, how do you feel about Heartland? And how's, how's your experience been with Heartland so far? Our experience with Heartland has been amazing. All, everybody, the volunteers, the staff, everybody's been very, very, very nice, very helpful, very warm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a sold-out theater, the first nice. one, and then there were still people coming in wanting to watch the film. Mm-hmm. So they opened up another theater. That happened nice. so quickly. I mean, they were so, like, attentive and so on. They're, uh, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, so great about that. So, yeah, that we, ha- we had an amazing premiere. We couldn't have asked for a better world premiere than Heartland. That's that's amazing. Congratulations on, on that and, and on yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, can you speak to kind of the some of the themes about it? It sounds like it, I mean, taking place at a mortuary can seem kind of dark a little bit or a little uh, a little uh, heavy there. Like, what were some of the themes and, and what was the inspiration for the film as well? Well, it really is, right? I mean, there's almost a lot of scenes are very, there, there's death in, all around mm-hmm. the film. But it really is about that. It's about life and death mm-hmm. and the will to keep living and love and the people around you and how important that is. So mm-hmm. we made sure that sort of came through in everything. And that's, that was really important to us. So it's a very heartfelt, heartwarming film. Yes. Um, but at the same time, it has a lot of things to sort of think about in terms of... I, I, we find people are doing a lot of self-reflection after they watch it, which is really what we were going for. So That's great. It's a great conversation starter. And it is. It's interesting you should mention that because that is something we've battled against. You have mm-hmm. a movie uh, called Wake that mm-hmm. takes place in a funeral home with an agoraphobic mortician. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people are like, oh, boy, this is going to be a fun fest. <laughs> right. But it's, uh, it's, not, it's not heavy at all. It's very right. buoyant. It's very... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it has... You you know, as Sarah said, it has those elements, but yeah. certainly not defined by that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Did you did you guys find um, it to be like any kind of difficulty with with balancing the kind of the the setting or the subject matter with I'm, the comedy? I'm, I'm going to give that to the editor. From a storytelling <laughs> standpoint, we actually spent a lot of time there. But I think in nice. a lot of this film, you know, we did a lot in the edit to make sure we had the right rhythms and things. But um, so. 
majority of the film was shot indoors mm -hmm. and then the, we had certain scenes interspersed where we actually do go out and we do see the outside world and then uh, there were certain scenes that were that were supposed to be a continuous long scene mm -hmm. which in the editing process we ended up splitting into two or three sections so okay. we could intersperse those with different scenes and bring the balance out that way nice. and uh, well it I don't know. It's it's been it's been amazing working on the film. Yeah, right. all the actors and everybody were just, mm -hmm. just amazing, incredible. Perfect. And do you guys have any other festivals lined up? Or uh, yeah, we're actually uh, this Thursday we're at Ridgefield International Film Festival. Oh, nice. And Ridgefield Independent excuse, mm. Independent Film Festival. Uh, that's on Thursday at what was the theater, Paul? Uh, that's at the Ridgefield Playhouse in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Website there r i f f c t dot org. That's uh, Thursday at, uh, I think it's uh, 2 o'clock on Thursday. Somewhere in there, 2 o'clock. And then right after that next month, we're going into Hawaii International Film Festival. Oh, wow. A special nice. presentation there, and they're going to show us in multiple theaters at the same time. So oh, that's awesome. A lot of press happening around that, so we're nice. looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, you guys are all over the place. That's amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. Right Thank you. Um, and let's see, is it playing at uh, the rest here? 2.45 today. 2.45 today? At Trader's Point. Perfect. Yes. And we have one on, on Wednesday next Wednesday. week. I, I'm, I don't know exactly where that one is, though. <laughs> but, yeah, it is Wednesday. And com will give you all that schedule. That's right. All right. Great. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much for your time. Oh, thank, and, you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and congratulations thank on the film. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the festival, and uh, best of luck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Good talking to you guys, too. Thank you so much. Okay, and that's it for all of the uh, press junket recordings that I did. Uh, over the weekend. So, um, next up, we have a review that me and Kirsten did of Crime and Punishment, a documentary that is available on Hulu right now, but also is playing at um, Heartland Film Festival. So, enjoy. Okay, and then the second movie that we saw today was... Crime, Crime and Punishment. punishment. Yes. Crime plus Punishment. Crime plus Punishment. Equals which I saw that you liked my tweet. That, so, yeah, yeah, begrudgingly should I, so. Should I... Should I recount the the story for the podcast? That's, yeah. Sure. Okay. So, like, well, as like some background on that, as we were walking in, I was like, "Oh, crime plus punishment," because it's a plus sign. Um, and then uh, I think you said like equals, and I was like, "A documentary that we're gonna see." Yeah. Um, and then when we got to our seats, Kirsten turned to me and was like, "So, what's this one about?" And I was like, "It's about crime, punishment, and math." Hold for applause. <sighs> All right. So anyway, uh, Crime and Punishment. Let me read the description real quick out of the guidebook. All right. Heartland. Okay. Amidst a landmark class action lawsuit over illegal policing quotas, crime plus punishment, <laughs> crime and punishment intimately observes the real lives and struggles of a group of black and Latino whistleblower cops known as the NYPD 12 and the young minorities they are pressured to arrest and summons in New York City. Um, now, real quick, at the top of this, it is going to be screening again on Tuesday, October 16th at 2.45 p.m. at Castleton, and Friday, October 19th at 1 p.m. at Castleton as well. Okay, so Crime and Punishment, Kirsten, we saw this. This was the second film we saw today out of two. Um, uh, what did you think of it overall? Oh, it was good. Um, I right in the middle of yawning. I, I, yeah, it's fine. Um, that's like when the waiter comes by only when you have yes. a mouthful of food. Right. Every time. Yeah. Um, it, it was good. I I was kind of surprised that I, I mean, this seems like it would 
I mean, this is obviously national headline mm-hmm. news, you know, and this was only a couple years ago. Yeah. And it's still an ongoing thing. And I, right. I don't, I hadn't heard anything about this. I, I, now granted, either. I don't own a TV. Right. So I don't like watch the news, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I get news updates on my phone. I, I check yeah. like news sites mm-hmm. every day, you know, does, oh, you know, are, are we in, are we at war yet? You right. know, stuff like that, you know, and I, I hadn't heard anything about this. So that's kind of surprising. Me neither. And I kind of feel like, after the whole Eric Gardner thing, I kind of feel like I saw bits and pieces about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because yeah. that was like kind of what lit the fire Absolutely. under this movement. Yeah. So. Um, first of all, again, like something that I love about documentaries in particular is the way that they utilize like uh, drone footage and drone shots of just like. Yeah high detailed like just cityscapes and mm-hmm. everything and new york is shops. is the perfect landscape for that yeah oh yeah, yeah. um so it was visually it was amazing and it's mm-hmm. worth knowing that this is i don't know if it was i didn't do my due diligence but i don't know if it was um picked up by hulu or was co-produced by hulu but it is the, the hulu originals logo came up before yeah. so it will be available on hulu at some time i'm sure um but yeah i i thought that it was really uh, interesting and compelling just as someone who I say quite a bit on the podcast, I come from a police family. So I've kind of throughout my life, I've had it kind of, uh, um, what's the word conditioned into me to be like, Oh, like support police and everything. And don't question authority. Um, but now as we kind of go through different movements and everything like, like the black lives matter movement and like so many different, just socially changing landscapes that it's, it's really um, opened my eyes to a more, you know, a less black and white kind of, kind of world that Mm -hmm. um, some people like to pretend that we live in. Yeah. Um, So this, this documentary was uh, really interesting the way that it utilized like hidden, uh, hidden re- hidden audio recordings. Yeah, that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the subject matter of the doc? Um, obviously, that it's it's important in today's cultural climate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously there is a problem. Yeah. Um, and no one is saying that it is every cop that is corrupt. I think this right. movie is a great example. You know, all twelve officers they weren't standing up be- necessarily mm-hmm. because they were being punished for their actions it it was a lot you know for for many of them they were very outspoken like this is you know it's damaging to the community yeah you know um and and especially uh sergeant raymond Mm -hmm. um was very outspoken yeah about um he 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 was he's a black man Mm -hmm. who grew up in a poor family Mm -hmm. you know and and yeah when he talks about growing up like i like that you know the the, the, the only meals he got were school lunches mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and it, it it's how tough it was for him growing mm-hmm. up as a kid in in New York um and and now to to have to you know be be sicked on his own community like yeah. a dog literally being forced to target yeah people that are essentially the same like yeah under the same circumstances that he was growing yeah up. that could have been yeah. him you oh, know yeah. for no reason and it's mm-hmm. like uh, some of them were you know the specificity of what they were mm-hmm. told you know target black and latino yeah. men ages 14 to 21 and i'm mm-hmm. like just think about like think about your own childhood when you were oh, 14 yeah. would you have known like if a cop pulled you over mm-hmm. when you were walking home from school at the age of 14 would you have known what to do no you know would would, would you, you would probably 
try to say anything to get, you know, to Yeah. Like I I just can't imagine like being a 14-year-old and and having to grow up like that. Oh, yeah. You know, with with a target always mm-hmm. on your back and like I feel like society always overestimates the age of black children mm-hmm. specifically. Yep. You know? Um I don't I don't I don't know what it is, but I mean they're always perceived as and treated as adults. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's just crazy to me. Like um the whole the whole I, I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard for me to talk about too, just because I'm like I said, I come from a police family and yeah. also I'm a white guy. Um Yeah. <laughs> but it's like just the one thing that I kind of wish that I kind of wanted out of the documentary mm-hmm. that that didn't quite deliver there. Not that it was really focused on this particularly, but the idea that the way that, you know, young black men in particular are portrayed portrayed whenever an incident occurs, like mm-hmm. there it's always like, oh, they're a thug. Or oh, they're yeah. yeah, it's it's despicable. It's terrible. they will go out of their way to to, you know, find like a a mugshot. Yeah. You know, whereas like what what was that that white guy who killed his his pregnant wife and like their oh, kids yeah. and they use like a happy family photo right. and I'm like that's crazy and, and yeah. it was like it was like the same news station but mm-hmm. two different stories and like one one was like a young black guy who was a victim of mm-hmm. I don't remember what what case it was but he was a victim of something right. and they pulled up a mugshot for no reason yeah. oh oh it was uh, uh Botham Jean Oh, who um, who was killed by the female police officer in yes, his own home? That was right. what it was. It, it wasn't a mugshot, but it was when they were talking. That's they were right. talking about um, how marijuana was found in his apartment. Yeah, that, when, when oh they did the God. search, that was that was what it was. Yeah, and then it was the same news station mm-hmm. that was portraying this this guy who murdered his his own family yeah. as like a wholesome family man. Right. And I'm like, this is this is crazy. Like yeah. you're. It, you're intentionally deceiving people's perceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, or even worse, you're just playing into preconceived, biased, bigoted, like so, ideals. So then you're race baiting. It, ex- yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it was. Um, it, it's. It's. It is so good that you know that there there are officers who are willing to. I mean, they were putting mm-hmm. their careers. They were putting their lives. Absolutely. You know, on the line. And, oh yeah. And it. It. It's really. It was very brave of them. Mm-hmm to come out and do this totally and to speak up against the corruption. Absolutely. And there's something that, um, officer Raymond said in the documentary that just felt like it really, uh, kind of brought everything together in in an interesting way. It was kind of toward the end. He talked about how, um, the days of, you know, cops being, uh, shrouded in a silhouette and having their voice disguised Mm -hmm. is those days are over. Yeah. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. Yeah. Like, be public about, you know, yeah. injustice and terrible practices yeah, yeah. and corruption. Yeah. Um, and he, he said, you know, if, if what, if what he has to do as an individual is sacrifice mm-hmm. his, you know, future career as an officer to sacrifice, you know, sacrifice the possibility of any mm-hmm. promotions or anything, yeah. he said he will do that. Oh, yeah. For the good of, for the good of, you know, the people and, mm-hmm. and the community. Um, and I, I, and he did end up getting his promotion, right. rightly deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but it's it's the, the the willingness right to give up on I mean he was a young guy mm-hmm. like you know a lifetime career he you know could yeah. have had that he potentially threw away yeah like there's a part in the documentary where he is given a performance review mm-hmm. and he goes through and he like 
what was shocking to me because the a big part of the documentary is how these officers are retaliated against from yeah. the department for blowing the whistle or for uh-huh. stirring they're, yeah stirring they're assigned up. to poor posts yeah. or they get bad hours mm-hmm. they yeah and they, they and they get, get poor, poor reviews yeah. which the thing that stood out to me in that part was like he was like okay well here's my performance review none of this applies to me mm-hmm. i didn't think that they could add more than three comments but here's 28 yeah and he read some of them and it's like <laughs> i i did love like He's such a hero. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was like, it's poor grammar too. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, he, God, he was such a smart guy. Oh, yeah. Um, that, oh, yeah. W- w- what did they say out of, when, out of the, um, the promotional exams mm-hmm. that, that he they took? Like number eight out of 6,000. That's crazy. Like, yeah. obviously, Insane. he's an intelligent guy who oh, yeah. is good at his job, mm-hmm. you know. And what I appreciated about the documentary was that it didn't, it didn't try to spin it didn't try to put things together in a bow and say mm-hmm. like oh we've affected change this is happening because like, they didn't it didn't it didn't and that, and that's a, the sad reality of it is that these kind of institutional mm-hmm. corruption that are that are just so deep seated like there's a part where they're prepping for their for their news uh appearance and they're talking about how like they're, uh, it was the president of the Latino yeah. Police Union or yes association. So. Yeah, the Latino Police Association I was. So. He was like coaching them. Yeah, coaching them and saying like, okay, well, what if they ask if is it the mayor's fault? And then they're and like, they're like, no. yes, yes. Yeah. And he's like, it's like no, no, nope, because it's, it's always been like this. Yeah, he can he can make a change, but it's not his fault. And it's yeah. like, and they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, never would have um, thought of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the documentary and I'm, I'm excited that it's, you know, affiliated with Hulu so that even mm-hmm. if it, once it gets done with the festival circuit, like people will be able to see it. Um, and it has the distribution. But if you are in Indianapolis and you are doing the Heartland thing, I would recommend checking it out because yeah, it's very good. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know that we want to see Radium Girls and then, uh, after party or the awards night party and the closing night party. Hopefully we can get tickets. to Those sound like good movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, and there's a bunch of other movies that are at Heartland this year that I want to see, but I, I don't think, I don't think I'm an, I'm, I don't even think I'm going to have enough time and I don't even have a show opening in two weeks. <laughs> you have um, no excuse. I have no excuse. Um, but there was one movie called 1985 that looks really good. Mm. It's, um, it's in black and white. It's about a guy in 1985 who um, is homosexual and he comes out to his family. I believe he comes out to his family and it's just about his year and it, it looks, it looks incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to have more episodes covering Heartland uh, to come. I didn't ask you this before Kirsten, but go ahead and say the show that you're doing. Oh, yeah. I'm yes. do uh I'm doing a show called Yellow Heat or Vincent Van Gogh and Arl. Mm-hmm. Um and it is the story of uh, Vincent Van Gogh when he was living as a poor starving artist in Arl, France. Um and it's uh it it features real historical characters that he interacted with and that he painted. Mm-hmm. Um and it's uh it's a beautiful play. It's part of the Dionysia Short Play Festival mm-hmm. that uh Chaos Company Theater, Emerging Artist, uh, they do it every year. And playwrights from all around the world submit um, short cuttings of their own full-length plays. 
Um, and then, uh, it's a whole festival. We, we do all the shortcuttings and then the audience votes mm-hmm. on their favorite and whichever show gets the most votes gets a full staged production the following year. So nice. Yellow Heat was last year's winner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful script. It's very poetic. Nice. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really good show. It's going to be, uh, November 3rd, mm-hmm. um, at, uh, the Needhammer building, mm-hmm. uh, downtown. Yep. The Hamilton Theater. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. And that's at 7 p.m.? Who could say? Yes. It's at uh, nighttime time. It's at nighttime time. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I will be there. So, yeah, 7 p.m. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will be there. So Yeah, and it's it's a whole day festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, if you want to come, they have, you can find uh, ticket information at Brown Paper Tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy tickets to one of the Dionysia showings. You can buy tickets to just yellow heat. You can buy tickets mm-hmm. to the whole day and they're going to be artist booths. So there's going to be crafts. Um, it's going to be like a, a big fun festival kind of thing. Nice. So yeah, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Can you tell us anything about your character? Are you his ear? No, no. I okay. do get to hold the ear. Do you? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. Right. No, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing, um, the one character who isn't a historical character in the show. Okay. Rachel, um, mm-hmm. who is a local prostitute. Oh. Um, who, uh, Vincent frequented. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so many jokes, but this it's- is, this <laughs> is a professional podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm very much looking forward to to seeing the show. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's going to be good. It's it's, it's be a it's a beautiful script. It's a great nice. cast, and the space, the Hamilton Theater in mm. the Needhammer Building is gorgeous. Yeah. it's beautiful. I've, I've never been there, so I'm it's I'm it's really to that. it's a beautiful beautiful space. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's like it's one of those like John Mulaney said a, a beautiful <laughs> deeply haunted building. Right. <laughs> I walked through a cold patch and I wonder I wonder who that was. Yeah. <laughs> who that used to be. Um all right. Well, yeah, this- no really. I look around and I'm like this is so much nicer than what we're about to do. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh god. Said Rachel the prostitute. That's me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for Kirsten for you know returning. Yeah, thanks and, for uh, having me on. Yeah, and for you know doing all the Heartland stuff. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, once again, you can find Kirsten on Twitter at burger underscore lurker. That's me. And you can find me at obsessive no underscore viewer. That's confusing for people. At obsessive viewer. <laughs> don't don't come up with another my first name my last name <laughs> scenario here. <laughs> Oh, obsessive God. no underscore viewer doesn't exist what <laughs> that's too many characters someone call matt <laughs> oh god all right so yeah thank you guys so much for listening thanks um, for bearing yes bearing with it and Again, seeing it through like these these press recordings are like pristine like this is the most professional i've ever been as a podcaster and then we have and just then, then there's this that all to hell <laughs> but yeah so anyway thank you guys for listening um if i haven't played all the recordings here's the rest and i'm back if i'm back i don't know um also uh real quick thank you everyone that came to sharktober in irvington um the episode is going to be posted probably after the heartland episode so uh, if i don't post it by in the next two weeks or so um 
something horrible has happened. Um, Excellent. Yeah. I was thinking about posting it just on Halloween. Just yeah, kind of. That'd be cool. There. Yeah. And if you listen carefully, you can hear me win a prize. Yes. And then Matt question. I did. Whether I was lying about having I, the winning ticket or not. I did not. I like, like, uh, you know, I, I have said that I, you know, I have a high opinion of you. You're one of my, one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. You're very talented and everything, but yes, I, know. I don't put it past you to lie to get an Eddie Casper <laughs> it Funko was, Pop. It, the, the scenario was perfect because I'd been saying all night that I wanted that Eddie yep. Pop. That was all I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was down to, it was the last two Pops and they were giving mm-hmm. them both away. Yep. And I wanted it so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I won. And he thought, yeah. he thought I would lie? I did. <laughs> you think I have no integrity? I do <laughs> a little <laughs> a shred god all right well thank you guys so much for listening and i'm sorry filmmakers <laughs> we're sorry <laughs> all right uh we'll see you guys next time bye <sighs> really pizza i'm sorry dude i'm sorry pizza forgive me be nice she was letting me pet her, and she was so into it. I was like, dream come true right now, Matt. Dream come I know, true. I'm sitting here thinking that. It's like my dream. Yeah. Um, uh, God. Don't don't worry, because the second that you leave, I'm going to punch your little butt. I'm going to punch you in the little butt. If the ASPCA is listening, <laughs> oh, that's get not him. making the final cut of this. Get him. <laughs> Okay, so crime and punishment. <laughs> um, um, if you're a, f- a, f- a filmmaker for this film, I, we apologize. I know. I, don't worry. I'm seriously going to cut all this out. Put <laughs> like, her in the butt. I'm in my head. Like, all right, all right. Let's, it's so, like, it's such a professional thing. And, and you're like, put her in the butt. And I do the press junkets. I'm so, like, professional and thorough and everything. And they're like, oh, I'm going to look this guy up and see, so, see what he's about. So and and all it is is hard. just, oh, put her in the butt. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with oh this guy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. She is not about this life. She is not. All right, let's. Okay, let me. Go into this. Okay. Okay, so Crime and Punishment, Kirsten, we saw this. This is the second one. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes. 
and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 